0: Welcome back to Hot Takes Only. This is episode 34, and we have a very special episode this week. We don't have any guests like we did last week. Again, a big thank you to Chris Crema for joining us. It was a really good episode. It's the longest one we've ever done, and this one is hopefully going to be the shortest one we've ever done. But we have one topic to discuss today, primarily, and we're going to stick to that topic for basically the balance of this entire episode. So, Willie, before we get into Tiger, what's... What's been your general mindset this last week? Because I know this this news on Tuesday was was flooring to say the least.
1: Yeah, it's been really sad. I think you know a lot of events recently. It just puts in the perspective how lucky you know how fragile life can be, and how mm-hmm. um, you know at the same time we you know we remember that everyone is a human, right? And it's exactly just live enjoy every moment because you never know when something like this could happen
0: exactly so for those of you who aren't as as aware the news we're referencing is the the car accident that tiger wood was in on tuesday morning uh right around seven fifteen a.m uh down in the the palace verdes area of los angeles uh he got into a car accident where his car flipped and went onto the other side of the road and he had to be uh rescued from the vehicle by by nearby officers or officers who responded and the Initial prognosis was it was really scary for not just the sporting community, but just for those who are aware of the effect that Tigers had on the game of golf and, and sports in general. We'll get to that as well a little later on. But like you're saying, Willie, that in addition to some other stuff that's gone on in, in, in both of our lives, it's, you know, it's a reminder that life is very leading. And that's not to be overly negative. It's just to enjoy every minute of it while you can uh, and to to really do everything you can to. Show the people you love in your life how much you mean, how much they mean to you, and to just spend every precious moment you can with with people you care about. Uh, and that's that's ultimately what we try to do. Um, even though we're not in person with a lot of folks, uh, that's what we try to do every single day.
1: Yeah, it's so important. And you know, sometimes things happen in your life that remind you of that. And it's just you never, you don't want your life to pass you by. You have to enjoy every moment. Cause, like you said, every every day is one more chance to enjoy the moment, but also one less day um, that you have. So, yep. you know, it, it's yep. just very humbling. And all, one day, I think before the anniversary of Kobe Bryant's death, so it's just another reminder of, of that.
0: No, I mean, it was pretty. It was pretty. Kobe was one twenty six and this was uh, okay. yeah it was 126 oh, i remember I pretty okay yeah but no it, i mean it was close to each other and i remember it, it's funny you mentioned that because uh tiger was on the course at tory pines the day that kobe died and i remembered yeah. that he got the news while he was on the golf course because i think joey Lacava, his caddy got the news from uh, someone in the gallery or someone who, who to, yeah. like told him on on one of the greens and it's just it's one of those things where Kobe and tiger had a very similar career trajectory as far as their, their kind of peak dominance. Hmm. Uh, I think after 2008, neither one of them, Well, Kobe's the exception, Kobe won a title in 2010 and then kind of went downhill after that. But between, between the the late nineties and I'd say 2008, 2010, maybe at the latest, Hmm. it was really Kobe and tiger in basketball and, and golf. I mean, yes, you had upcoming guys like LeBron at the time, which it's bizarre to think about. He was an upcoming prospect uh, back when, You know, back in the mid 2000s when Kobe was really at the height of his game. Uh, But in golf, it was just it was all Tiger all the time. And yes, we have we have guys these days who make the field so much more competitive. But at the time, those two had very similar career trajectories. And I think they they were pretty close friends, you know, as for as for as much as they were able to see each other, which is not a lot
1: yeah they were good friends i mean i well they were friends that i you know they i think they got they got to know each other through you know tiger was a big lakers fan and also they were both nike athletes mm-hmm. um but i mean what i would say is to be honest i mean their trajectory was similar but i'd almost differentiate uh kobe from tiger in the sense mm-hmm. that I'll, I'll say this again And as a sports fan and we love being entertained you know the two athletes like i i say that in our lifetime that I've seen in my own eyes that were just so much better than everybody else and so much dominated the sport and made everything just so enjoyable to watch with so many storylines was Tiger Woods and Serena Williams. You know, mm. um, those two athletes, and I don't know if honestly we'll ever see in our lifetime two athletes that dominate their respective sports. And it was just, yeah, And I mean, what, what, are, your, what are your favorite memories of Tiger?
0: i mean how much how much time do you have i mean we we could spend days talking about this um so i was thinking about this because you and i were just talking before we we started recording about um nickelodeon creating the avatar studio and how that show means so much to me because of of what it is not only is it a successful children's show but it's one that tackles kind of bigger topics like imperialism war um religious persecution i guess i mean it tackles a lot of really uh, sexism as well it tackles a lot of really really adult topics in a way that's distillable for children without overly diluting it but beyond that it it showcases east and southeast asian cultures predominantly in a way that's celebratory without appropriating and that's a huge thing and then on top of this you have me who's kind of a a, you know a, a Ethnically ambiguous Asian American kid growing up in the South, where I'm the only Asian American kid that I that I went to elementary school with, or one of the only few, only Asian American kids I went to high school with, middle school, elementary school, etc. Growing up, my ne- I was the only non full white family in the entire neighborhood, except for like one others who I think they were also half Asian. So there wasn't a lot of of kind of you know of myself in sports or entertainment, if you will, at that time, but. Avatar was one of the big things that got, uh, got to the root of that and kind of you know showed that it is possible to be successful, and is, it is possible to see yourself or your culture on TV in a way that's celebrated. And the other big part of that was Tiger. I mean, yes, my dad's Caucasian, and he belonged to a country club, and I'm you know obviously very fortunate enough that I was able to play golf at a very, very tough, very nice golf course growing up. But... I was the only Asian kid around or even remotely Asian kid around. And so there's this thing of when you're the only one who looks like you and you see someone else who's the only one who looks like them, just absolutely dominate an entire field for a decade plus. I mean, that's something that you just kind of have to say that is inspiring. No cap. Just that is one of the most just i don't know if i have the words to really capture the emotion behind it but tiger means a lot to me personally just because of he was the only one who looks like him i'm the only one who kind of looked like me or one of the very few and it was proof that it is possible this is really possible yes having a certain talent is important but the work ethic and the drive to be the best that's something that you can't teach. And that's something that separates good players from great players from legends of the game. And as far as legends, you don't get any more, any legend, more legendary than Tiger. And that's, that's the best way I could put it. I mean, favorite memory specifically, you, you talk about 2008 at Tory Pines. I remember watching that playoff with my... Or, so, excuse me, not the playoff, but watching the 72nd hole with my family around the dinner table. Uh, the and and we're we're thinking you know he he's gonna miss it he's gonna make it he's gonna miss it he's gonna make it and i remember just looking at my dad and going he's gonna make it and and he makes one of the most clutch putts in the history of not only the u.s open but in in golf history and Mm -hmm. to do it under the circumstances with basically no acl in either Mm -hmm. leg and just no just he basically had no legs to walk on, and he somehow won a 90, 91-hole golf tournament. I mean, he had played 19 holes in a playoff in a 72-hole tournament. It's just, it's bizarre. And then you think about the the other stuff that he he did. I mean, I was obviously too young for for 2000 at Pebble. But just hearing about that stuff and, and watching what he's able to do to fields of Future Hall of Famers. I mean, you're talking about Ernie Els, Phil, or I mean, Hall of Famers currently. Phil Phil Mickelson, Ernie Els, Miguel Angel Jimenez, as well. You could go down the list even further. There's just so many, so many memories of this one person dominating a field that we hadn't seen since. I mean, arguably Jack Nicholas, but you know, even before that, he, there was no real, you know, one person is synonymous with golf. Because as as successful as Jack was, he was not you know the guy in golf if you said golf in say 1985 jack Nicholas probably was going to pop out of someone's mouth but if you say golf in 2005 tiger woods is the only name popping out of your mouth and still to this day it's probably the only name that's going to come out of your mouth when you think uh you know who who's a professional golfer tiger woods it, there's there's no comparison in my mind as to who he is as a as a golfer and as a legend and we'll get into his his um his affairs a little later but I just do want to mention that he's not a perfect person he made some pretty serious mistakes with his life and had to suffer the consequences but ultimately the impact he had on multiple generations of of young multiracial people of color kids who are profiled based on the way they look is not something you can necessarily manage and yes I'm not condoning um, of course I'm not condoning extramarital affairs or any kind of adultery, but when you look at what he has done for so many people, it's, it's just astounding really.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of directions I could take it with you said, well said about everything on, I mean, there's so much in there. Uh, I guess first I'll say, is that putt at Pebble beach? Uh, in 2008, your favorite shot of Tiger? I mean, it's obviously one of his most famous ones. I actually, my favorite Tiger shot is, bleed or not, is the 2001 players where he hits it. He's almost in the water mm. in the island green, and he, he hits it, and they go, better than most. Like, mm-hmm. That's my favorite, yeah. favorite Tiger shot.
0: That's that's a pretty, it's a pretty incredible memory. No, mine, it, it's going to sound cliche, but mine's 2005 at the Masters. Um, yeah. The chip in on 16, it's it's one of the most iconic moments in sports. Mm. And to me, it just kind of reminded us all why you can't count out Tiger Woods. And again, we'll talk about this a little later in the show. But the focus right now obviously is not, you know, is he going to play again? Yeah. That's not the focus. No. We'll get into that a little later, of course. But the focus right now is he's alive. Yeah. He's recovering well from surgery. Yeah. And that's the bottom line
1: yeah and I think that you know one of the things first of all, you can't overstate that enough golf is not important here, like this is about tiger surviving and being able to live a normal life where he's happy, can play with his kids and be relatively pain free and just mm-hmm. be happy and live a normal life exactly. Although what I will say is that uh I just think that tiger. In totality, it's just the best story because, you know, I think that the reality is Tiger, like every rest of us, right? Every single person makes mistakes. No one is perfect. The only difference is that Tiger Woods, every single move is in the public eye and we know about it. And I think that he just resonates so much on an individual level because of all the stuff that has happened with his personality, you know, good and bad. And it just makes it all the more beautiful a story, and I think that everyone can see, in some ways, see themselves in Tiger. Because the reality is that m- most people aren't perfect. We want to see a guy who's human. We want to. We don't want anybody safe, right? But it's just a lot of people, I think, can really see themselves in Tiger.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I just kind of had a moment just now where I, I think about the impact that he's had on my life specifically you know oh, yeah. i i just i never i the only time i ever saw him in person was the 2009 tour championship i want to say wow okay um or no maybe it was 20 it was 2012 2012 tour championship Yeah. um and this was or was it doesn't i i can't remember when it was it was it was after his uh his extramarital affairs had become public hmm. and I just remember seeing him at Eastlake at the tournament and yelling out from, from the gallery, Tiger, you to man. I, I hadn't planned on doing that. It's just something that came out because of what he meant to me as a multiracial yeah. Asian-American growing up in a, an area in which it's predominantly white, a sport that's predominantly white, and it just, it, it broke my heart when his affairs became public because yeah. someone that I had held in such high regard for most of my childhood mm. and, and early adolescence, uh, had, had done something so horrible. And, yeah you know, I was talking with my girlfriend earlier, we need to hold athletes and people in entertainment accountable for things like this. Mm. That's not to say that he hasn't been held accountable. But I think some some people who are trying to overlook that, I think, kind of need to take a step back and realize that, yeah, he did some pretty messed up stuff to his family, specifically to his wife um, and, and his kids at the time. I mean, his his son, I think, was just born when a lot of that was was public. But it it really broke my heart because of how highly I had held him uh, as as kind of a sporting icon, mm-hmm. a, a sporting hero, if you will. Um, but that's also part of the reason for me that I don't tend to hold athletes as like role models. I mean, for me, my role models are my parents. Uh, that I'm never going to change that answer. And, and my brother and, and the rest of my family. Yeah. But it, I, I just remember feeling crushed when that news broke because here's someone who could seemingly do no wrong, who yeah. had every reason to inspire generations of kids, including me, to be the best they possibly could and to be relentless in their pursuit of greatness. And I think that's also why Kobe resonated so well uh, with so many people. And that's why his death as well last year crushed so many people. And, and it was kind of along the same storylines. There was a, a sexual assault allegation against Kobe that was dismissed, but yeah. it's the same kind of thing where, you know, you, you hold someone in such high regard because of what they themselves represent in terms of what they are to their, their field. Um, but again, it's it's just one of those things that you know you do have to take both things hand in hand, and it, it just it it broke me back then. I I remember that nothing else really hit me like this. I mean, this was the same year that Michael Jackson died in two thousand nine.
2: Yes, that's true.
0: And I I just remember thinking at that point, oh, well, you know, he's one of the greatest musicians ever, but I never really had a a. Uh, that much of a a mm-hmm. strong connection to Tiger like I listened to Jackson 5 growing up sure yeah of course of course but mm-hmm. seeing this happen to I mean this was my sporting role model I mean I was a fan of Manny Ramirez and and David Ortiz and Chipper Jones and a lot of other baseball players we the Braves and the and the uh the Red Sox but Tiger was the one who stood above the rest of them and it's just, it's one of those things where the humanity of a lot of people doesn't shine through as much when something like this happens. Uh, something like his his affairs, that is. Um, that's not, of course, me excusing it. That is never, ever the case. I mean, that kind of thing is is no grounds for, for any sort of behavior. Uh, and so it, it all just comes back to what he meant to me growing up. And then realizing that, you know, sometimes people make really messed up decisions and there's, there's no real excusing it, but the body of work and the body of who he is as a
2: person in his field cannot
0: by any stretch be disputed.
1: Yeah, I I would agree uh, with everything you said. I mean, I remember being really shocked. I mean, I remember one of the saddest things was watching the, uh, press conference that was it his mom gave yeah. about like for him after that happened. And, you know, um, I think that, you know, the interesting thing about tiger is, is you're absolutely right. I mean, he's made some decisions in his life, um, particularly when it comes to that stuff with the women that are, you know, absolutely not okay. And, you know, public figures should anyone should be absolutely be held accountable and we should draw a line in the sand and say, you know, that's not okay. Uh, what I will say though, is that, uh, the, on the positive side about tiger is that anyone can resonate with just improving as a person, Yeah. right? No matter where you start or no matter where you, what you do, just seeing tiger transition to a dad who's care, who's really caring, who's so involved with the TGR Foundation, who's involved with his kids, who you know is a mentor to the younger players is more of the smiley, not so tough guy with the media. Um, seeing all the really sentimental moments where um, you know he you know hugs his kids at the master or two thousand and six British open when after right after he'd lost his dad, right? and he, He wins that, Um, and so I think that from that, that to me, more than anything. I mean, we can go some directions. Like you can talk about the influence he's had on the minority community is huge. But for me, as like an everyday person, that's what I get. Is just like today is a new day, and you can definitely bounce back from things and learn and become a good person, even if you've done things in the past that you regret. You know. Yep. And for that, I should say. Is what makes the story so unique. We learn so much about ourselves as humans, as Tigers. He's not just normal athlete where there's, um, you know, either you don't hear much about them off the court and they're just a brand or maybe just completely scandal-ridden. It's, there's this beautiful arc with Tiger where he started here and then he went down and then he went back up. And it's just such a beautiful story that people can see themselves in. You
0: know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. And it, you brought up 2019 at the Masters, where he hugs, he hugs his son Charlie uh, after after making the winning putt on 18. And there's there's a moment in I think everyone's life where they kind of have they kind of take a step back and look at just the sheer humanity and what separates us from other living beings on this planet it's emotion it's the emotional connection we have to each other and seeing him hug his son right after winning the masters when everyone had written him off i mean we're talking every significant talking head yeah. in sports right, yeah. had written him off saying he's never going to be he's never going to win another tournament let alone another major yeah uh it it just reminds you that The thing that strikes the the biggest chord, if you will, is the emotional connection, which reminds us all that this guy who, for so many years, had been superhuman, seemingly, uh, after all, was was very human. Because 97, when he wins the Masters for the first time, and he's there to hug his dad on the 18th green, that's a moment that he always talks about. as one of the most important things in his life and when he hugged stevie williams in 06 after winning the the open at royal liverpool uh right after he lost his father um you're just reminded of the the pure emotion that comes up with with this kind of thing and uh I, i recently watched the hbo documentary It was funny i wanted to bring that up i think last week or the week before um, I, I watched, it
1: yet, but my parents say it's great.
0: I I enjoyed it for the most part. I, I wish they would have done a couple things differently, but that's just me being picky as a golfer specifically. Um, but I, I was watching the documentary, and mm-hmm. it was in two parts. And the first part kind of documents his rise to glory, if you will, and it teases, of course, his his extramarital affairs. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit in part one that actually brought me to tears and still just thinking about it right now kind of what is that? fills me up with a lot of emotion it's it's him talking about losing his dad and hmm. the effect that that had on him and it, it just kind of reminds me of what my life has been like specifically in relation to what my dad has meant for me and to to have that realization that the the person who put a golf club in my hands about I I don't know twenty years ago, uh, you know that no relationship on this earth, whether it's a father and son or what have you, is is going to be for forever, and that that part just crushed me. And I. Um, wanna-
1: I, I want to say I'm really sorry, man. I, I know what you mean. and I feel the same way. And I just want to say that I know this may, you know, it may even sadder to me, the toughest, like the, the single, I think saddest part of Tiger Woods career from him, right. Was, you know, he, he wins the 2005 masters against DeMarco. Right. Of course, like Demarco's probably happy that Tiger is not playing, but, uh, well, not in a bad way, but you know, he lost to him a few times. Um, and um the two thousand six Masters own he loses to Phil Mickelson. And Tiger Wood said it's the saddest moment of his career because he wanted to win that so much for his dad, right? And yep. his health was in decline at that point, he wasn't able to come to the Masters and then right after he passes and like you said, you know, holds off a new Sergio Garcia to win the open championship. And and you're right, Owen, just Seeing the bond he had with his dad, all the stuff he did with the Navy, too. And it's just so sad because you're right. When you think of father and son and sports at times, it's just that's the part. And I want to say, too, that's also the part where you gain more of an appreciation for Tiger. When you see him open up to the media later in his career and you or you hear you have stories written about him and you learn how much his dad like meant to him. And you
0: just, you're right, man. It, it means so much to me too. Yeah. And it, it, it was, it was a moment that I just, I had this realization that the, the person, the man who put me uh, in front of, who put me in golf for the very first time, um, I didn't catch on to it until I was 16. Yeah. I wish I had gotten into it earlier. Uh, that would have been more time spent with my dad on a golf course. Uh, but you know, it, it just opens up, uh, so many things. Cause my dad grew up without a father. Um, he lost yeah. his father when he was seven years old and to see what he has done with his two sons yeah. is nothing short of remarkable in, in my eyes to have no real frame of reference as to, you know, what a good father is supposed to be like. But here we are 26 years later. And you know, if I do say so myself, I think my parents have done a pretty phenomenal job and a lot of that would not have been possible without the, the ideals and the just basic decency that my father has instilled in me for my entire life. Um, and it just shows you that, you know, we, we talk about, you know, like you were just saying earlier in his career, this, this persona that he had that he was going to show up at a tournament on Tuesday or Monday, get his rounds in, get his practice in, and then from Thursday to Sunday, just crush everyone else and there was going to be no sense of emotion no sense of of letting up once once his foot's on your throat it's not going anywhere and that's the way he kind of was both on and off the golf course but then obviously the injuries pile up and the the personal life catches up to him and he gets to a point where he just can't really escape it anymore. But what happened is after his second significant injury, which was the back surgery in uh, 2013 or 2014, Tiger kind of became a new person. We kind of forgot about what the hyper-competitive, you know, win at all costs, Tiger Woods uh, represented. And we got to know Tiger Woods, the father. And he talks about his fusion his back fusion surgery surgery excuse me in 2017 and he talks about the reason for it he was at the champions dinner with uh guys like jack nicholas and sir nick faldo and he had said you know guys i I might be done forever but then he elected to have his back surgery and this is almost a direct quote but he said i don't want to have this surgery to play golf again i want to have it to spend time with my kids And that's, to me, how you know that Tiger Woods that had numerous extramarital affairs is not the same Tiger Woods at that point in time. And he has continued to that day to be the same person. Uh, And again, this just goes back to the, the, the idea of a father and a son where all he really cares about these days... I mean, yes, he still wants to play golf at a competitive level. I mean, the competitive spirit doesn't just die out of nowhere it kind of stays with you forever uh the flame gets you know it diminishes a little bit but ultimately the focus in his life has shifted from tiger woods the golfer tiger woods the greatest golfer of all time to tiger woods the best father he could possibly be and that to me is why i'm so relieved that he is okay and that he is expected to make a full recovery uh, is for his first for son, Charlie and his daughter, Sam as well. But it's for, it's for his kids. It's not for him. It's not for us to selfishly say, I want to see him win four more majors and have the most majors of anyone who's ever played the sport of golf. It's to be just there for his kids. And that I think is a point. I cannot hammer home hard enough.
1: Yeah, I, I firmly agree with you. It's, that's one of the most beautiful to see Tiger Woods parenting. It's just one of the nicest stories of resurgence. And through him, we can learn good values. And I think it's important to point out in the context of this, that Tiger Woods, father was a very flawed human being. Yes. You know, he loved him, but Tiger, you know, and, and in some ways, you know, one of the things we can learn is how much we are a reflection of our parents and how mm-hmm. important to be a good parent. Because when you talk about the extramarital affairs, obviously, you know, they were not okay, but it seemed, you know, he learned that you could say from his father because his father yes. had plenty of extramarital affairs too. Yes. Uh, so I think it's important to remember that I think Tiger Woods was, you know, he was around his dad, he was in the Navy. He was doing all these, you know, affairs. He was, uh, you know, up to some, some things. And I just think that Tiger, he never really got a chance to, developed as a human being and so it's like he realized like wait I'm a human and there's more to life than golf and he really turned his life and is now you know he is now one of i would say at this point right now in 2021 exactly what you want an athlete to be in terms of Ramallah
0: Yes, exactly. And it's funny you mentioned those points of, of him having his dad as a role model, his dad being a, a very flawed human being. They touch on that very significantly in the documentary, so I won't get into too much detail about it for both our listeners and for you, Willie. But what I will say is that, number one, he spent a lot of time with his father for the first several years of his life. I mean, effectively the first 18 years of his life, really 20, until he turned professional. The other thing is, uh all he has ever known really and this is this is because of his mother as well too i think people don't don't also realize that uh, i didn't realize this either until i watched the documentary part of the reason that tiger has that killer instinct and was the way he was competitively for so long it's not because of his father not because his father trained him mentally it's because of his mother his mother said you better go out there and you better stomp the competition you better make sure that they have no room to breathe or something it's something along those lines but It's just, it's again, it's like you're saying it's, we are very much a reflection of our parents and you know, obviously we learn from our mistakes or we do our best to learn from our mistakes. And, and he made a handful, he made a handful of pretty significant mistakes, but his life since then has been, how do I be the best father I can to my kids? Not how many majors can I win before my career is, is over. Because, you know, and, and we'll get we'll start segueing into the golf bit, the actual, you know, on course stuff a little bit uh a little bit later. But again, it's it's not about Tiger Woods the golfer anymore. That part of him is kind of, you know, once I think he showed us he could win the Masters in twenty nineteen, uh, that's when I can think we kind of realized that this this guy is the greatest of all time.
2: Yeah.
1: And I think that just what you see with the way that that tire parents too is you just see just he I mean, we talk about this, right? But it's just I think one of the things we also have to remember is to be a good athlete, you truly have to be a little crazy. It's yep. the same with being a good actor or a good comedian. Um, you have to get in the head, like the you the way that an actor Gets in the head of the character you're supposed to play. Well, mm-hmm. millions have to be a little cuckoo in the head to think of all these jokes. To be such a good golfer, you have to be so, like Tiger Woods was so mentally focused. Like he would not talk to anyone, he would not talk to the media. He was so locked in, like you were saying. And, you know, he also did this stuff with, you know, Navy SEAL training. and And, you know, and so it's like, when you get, get, out, get out onto the golf course and you see his record of the 54 hole lead and how crazy it was, I think we just have to remember that, you know, going on it's, with all his flaws and stuff, it's just like you have to be in such an almost lonely and crazy headspace to be that ruthless. You know, it's almost like guys that are too uh, sensitive and nice may not be the best athletes. That's the truth right? Yeah. Roy McIlroy is the greatest example of that. Yep. So I think it's just important to point out that it's almost like his greatest blessing was also his greatest curse because in order to be so good with the 54 hole lead or just so dominant, he had to be so mentally locked in that it's like almost to an unhealthy human level and you're not thinking about anything else or you maybe are losing your conscious at times.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and you think about how early he got started. Not just being in golf, but being oh. in the public eye. Oh. He was on what was what was he on at the age of the age of 2. He uh, was on he
1: was, um, he was on a show he was hitting balls, bro.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yards. At the age of 2.
1: Yeah.
0: When when most babies are, you know, just just starting to speak remotely coherently. Mm. Here's a kid on national television hitting a golf ball i mean it's it's incredible and it's it's because of the family around him it's because of the the kind of person that he is and the person he grew into that we kind of realize that yeah to be the best and to be the absolute greatest of all time you kind of have to have that be your only thing Mm. like the one thing you're going to be known for is that it's golf. For Tiger, it's golf.
1: Yeah. So, and, and to be also, if you read the article, Laura Thompson, I mean, that's the only thing he cared about. But he also says, I mean, he almost wanted to be in the Navy like his dad. Yeah. It just shows you the mindset because, I mean, he's done Navy SEAL training. He's jumped out of planes. Like, he's yep. like, it just shows h- how serious and daring his mindset is, you know?
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's, there's a lot that goes into being the best in your field. And sometimes yeah. you have to forsake the, the humanity, if you will, the yeah. pure humanity, the thing oh, that, yeah, that the difference between right and wrong. It's, it's the kind of the at any cost yeah. uh, dilemma.
1: And it's something, honestly, us will probably never understand. You know, no, we'll never be in that
0: mindset. No, But, but people will look back, you know, 30, 40, 50 years from now, they'll look at Tiger and they're going to realize that he's just a reflection of what we understand Kind of the the human condition to be. Sure. Sure. It's inherently flawed, and I'd say a good ninety five percent of it is out of our control. And the five percent we can control uh, can make a huge difference in the person, in the people that we are. You know, it. You you don't choose how long you live. You don't choose what kind of condition you're born into. But you choose what you do with that time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know you. You make decisions based on what you know, based on what's around you, based on the people around you. Mm -hmm. And there's just, there's so many different ways we could, we could get into this, but I do want to segue a little bit into what his legacy is on the course.
1: Yeah. So I, um, I actually want to start if that was okay. And, uh, I know on the, uh, you know, the, Uh, on a different route, but before we just get into his dominance, because I just think his legacy is incredible. And I have so many enjoyable moments watching him and studying the history of golf. It's so fascinating to talk about his career. I I really wanted to actually get into real quick. Some of the close calls he's had in some tournaments, because we, if this is the end of his career on, if this is the end of his career or if it's close, um, to the end of his career, um, then I just wanted to say that there are some tournaments, particularly in the the majors, that I, there are just some ones where I'm like, when we talk about him chasing Jack in the majors, I'm like, man, he let those get away, you know? Um, and so I would say for me, I'll start with, there's a handful, but... The number one one on that I would say, uh, the one where I sit here scratching my head, like, how did he not win? was the two thousand nine um, open uh, sorry, PGA, where he, he he goes into the tournament two ahead of Wei Yang and Wei Yang beats him, Tiger really struggles, but he's you know, he's within one two shots like going into the final round. And so to me, there's a few of these I want to get into, but I'm sitting here and that was like at that time, right? W- we had no idea that Tiger would um, would, you know, that the 2000, right? He'd go from 2008 to 2019 to winning a majors. And so little did we know, not only that I can't believe he lost the Yang, At that point, he was 14 for 14 uh, in with the 54 hole lead, but. That that little that would be his last challenge. He'd go he'd go ten years in between challenging for titles.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely the one memory that I have uh, when I first thought this guy's human uh, is when he didn't convert that fifty four hole lead into a major. I mean, you think of every other time he'd won a major. Every single time he'd either had the lead on his own or had been tied for the lead, and. Typically on the PGA Tour, and this is more anecdotal. I don't have the numbers to back this up, but but I I think if you were to look this up, you'd find uh, you'd find them along the right along the right path. If you have a lead in the PGA Tour, you are more than likely not going to win. If you have the round, if you have the lead after the third round, after the fifty the fifty four hole mark, the second to last day, if you will. Tiger is the inverse of that rule. Because he's one of the few on tour where if you give him the lead. You're probably not going to win the golf tournament. He's probably going to win and he's probably going to run away with it. Because what makes him and and this goes into his makeup as an athlete again like we've been talking about. It goes into that mental toughness of. I'm not going to make a mistake. I'm going to make you beat me. It's kind of like the Bill Belichick of of golf if you will. It's that mindset of. I'm going to make you go out and beat me. You're not going to beat me at my game. I'm going to play within myself better than you can play within yourself. And the only way that someone can ever come close to matching him is by producing something that's all time great. There's yeah. there's no logical explanation for why Tiger lost that tournament other than you know i think his personal life at that point had slowly started to catch up to him i, I don't think anything was public at that point yeah. but i think subconsciously there was there was a thought i think and and the documentary outlines some of this as well there was a point where he was made aware that people knew what he was up to yeah. and he had tried to get in front of it obviously and t- did not work and failed spectacularly but you know we've we've talked about that a pretty good bit but again the, the rate at which guys in the PGA tour or even hell, on the European tour, the rate at which they win after holding the 54 hole lead is staggering when you look at what Tiger was able to do, because I would guess. And again, I don't have the numbers on this, but I would guess that maybe maybe one in five at best with yeah. the 54 hole lead go on to win the tournament. It's so hard to do. Oh,
1: it's it's. I heard a statistic on the golf channel. I forgot what it was, but it's remarkably well. I mean, it's it's.
0: And yeah. Tiger made a habit of winning with with fifty four hole leads. It's like he was almost automatic. Yeah. It's it's crazy to think that the way he dominated was not by blowing fields out by ten or fifteen. He he did that. Yes. Hmm. But it's just by playing from the front and never looking back. I mean, people yeah. always say that you can't win a golf tournament on day one, but you can lose it on day one. And Tiger never lost it on day one.
1: And I think that, to that one point that ties into it is you talk about, like, I'm not going to beat myself. Um, you're going to have to shoot something sublime to beat me, and I'm going to close the deal. I think a big part of that was um, Tiger Woods's A is intelligence on the golf course, one of the best golf minds. And he always was so smart with the way he plays. He always talks about missing in the right spots. And he, he was also very um, relatively conservative. You know, he didn't go flag hunting a ton. Mm. You know, he was a very good iron player, always gave himself good looks at, at birdies in part. And I think that, you know, some guys in the PGA Tour, right, they can get really hot and aggressive. But Tiger was so smart with the way he played yes he truly like when you say did not beat himself with his mind he was never gonna let himself take unnecessary risks or he was gonna take what the golf course gave him you know
0: yes exactly i think you brought up a really good point there he plays really conservative when he has the lead so let me let me give an analogy or or kind of break it down for um for those who aren't as well versed in golf so augusta national which is where they have the masters every year uh, it's the only major that doesn't have uh, a rotating venue. It's there every single year. Um, there's a saying at Augusta that if you are putting above the hole, uh, good luck making par. If you're putting below the hole, uh, you're gonna make birdies. So the way Tiger approaches his rounds when he's leading, and and this is you know by and large of the case. There's obviously exceptions you can look into, but what he would do with, say, a three-shot lead going into the last round at the Masters, what he would do is if he sees someone going out in 30, 31, 32, that's four to six under on the front nine, what he would do is not necessarily try to stuff it in close and have a tap in birdie. He would give himself a 15, 20-footer uphill for birdie. And most of the time, He would either get it to a foot and just tap in for par, stress-free par, or he'd make it. And he'd be able to get up and down when he misses greens too. And he'd miss it in places where you can get up and down. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, that's just one of the things that makes him so great is that he's not going to make that big mistake that golfers at the highest level are prone to, regardless of of how good they, how easy to make the game look. Because mind you, golf is very hard. If you haven't played golf before, just just take my word for it and ask anyone who plays the game. It's really hard. It's incredibly difficult to do it that consistently that well for that long. I don't think there's any doubt in any minds or nor should there be any doubt in anyone's mind that Tiger's the greatest to ever do it. Not just Mm. not just because he has so many wins, not just because he's had this generational excellence, not because he spawned an entire generation worth of golfers who wanted to be exactly like him. It's just because he's you you couldn't beat him. He he had to beat himself and he was never going to do that. You had to go out and beat him and you weren't going to do that either. Yeah. There's so many so many factors that make him the greatest of all time, but it's just it's just that sheer relentlessness in the pursuit of perfection.
1: Absolutely on. Absolutely. I think that's 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 very well said uh, what you said. Um, and it, it just, you, that's, I think what's missing from a lot of guys, you know, today, mm. but that's why it makes, I, I, you know, the, the final, the two other losses, like head scratching losses kind of, um, puzzling to me is we reflect on his legacy in case is it, because these were, I think two moments where I think he really just only two moments in his career, honestly, I can think where he just really slipped up. So first one for me was 2011 Masters. The other one, second one was 2011 Masters, where Tiger had the chance to actually come from behind. That's the famous one where what Rory shot what was an 82, or he really blew up really badly.
0: Yeah, um, I think yeah. he he made like a 7 on the 10th.
1: Yeah, he exactly. He made a seventh on the 10th, and Tiger started the tournament seven shots behind. And he says, if you read his comments, like, this is one of the ones tournaments that still haunts him the most, like to this day. And all of a sudden he's playing great golf and he takes the lead in the final round. And, but he collapses on the back nine. One of the few times I've ever seen it. And, uh, Charles Schwartzl, I think closes with four birdies
0: and four in a row.
1: So that's another one. I'm thinking about the pursuit of Jack where I'm like, man, like the, you know, At that point, right, Adam Scott, I think, was just kind of breaking through. I'm like, man, like this one was there. Like he, you know, Jason Day was very good, but like Tiger's better than these guys. So that's another one where I'm like, man, I I just wish he, you know, pulled that one off.
0: Mm -hmm. And and I think the one thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is that in 2010. So let me give you the the timeline for his his kind of his downfall, if you will uh 2009 november 2009 is when his extramarital affairs finally surface Mm -hmm. um he takes an indefinite leave from the game of golf march 2010 he has this press conference where he admits to everything he apologizes uh tries to get as much in front as far in front of the narrative as he can to you know do damage control he's already lost a ton of endorsements at that point that's not front of mind he's he's a billionaire he's going to be his multiple generations of, of his kids and grandkids are gonna be set for life, but that's not the point. Um, and then he, he, his indefinite leave from the game of golf ends at the masters. He comes back at the 2010 masters. He tied for fourth that week after that long of a layoff, after so much happens in your personal life to finish in the top five, to make the cut number one, after not playing in any event professionally, I don't care who you are. That's really hard to do. So, for context, I haven't touched a golf club since November, and I'm playing on Saturday. Well, you know, God willing. So, if I can even come close to breaking 80, I'll be very, very happy. Mm-hmm. But if I win any money off of my off my buddies, who I'm actually playing with Chris, who we had on last week, if I win any money off those guys, yeah. I... I, I I'm going to be thrilled. I think I'm going to buy a lottery ticket because it's, it's insane. And he finished tied for fourth that week. And yes, he he knows the course well, and he was the best in the world at the time, but you got to put it in perspective as well. Just like how easy he made it look. I mean, you don't just leave golf at the competitive level at the absolute highest level. And all of a sudden come back and you're in the mix again. It, it takes time to kind of regain your you know, your form mm-hmm. more so than in other sports, I'd argue.
1: Yeah. And I think that, no, absolutely, Owen. The, his true golf genius comes in with the way that from his injuries and his swing changes, he was able to just remake his game. Yep. It's just incredible. Like that, you have to be great to do that. You know, exactly. It's like you said, Owen. I mean, I actually don't even know what's more impressive. Is it coming back from the injuries? Or is it because, or is it actually like coming back from the swing change? I mean, well, because that, I mean, you know, as a golfer, you could, I'm sure you could talk about it, but he made like three swing changes early in his career. And it's like, that's hard to do. I mean,
0: you know. So, so I'll talk about this as, as kind of simply as I can, because I know the golf swing is very complex. And even to this day, there's a debate as to what's the most important thing. And and what makes a good golf teacher uh, is not necessarily, you know, can, can you get the player to swing a golf club a certain way? It's more so how do you get the best out of that specific person? And, you know, I could talk about this for, for hours, um, but in a sense, uh, when Tiger was working with Butch Harmon in the late 90s, early 2000s, Um, he had a kind of more, I guess, textbook swing. Um, he, I guess there was, there was a thought where, you know, when he decided to leave Butch Harmon and work with Hank Haney, uh, the thought was, what is he doing? Like Butch is one of the greatest coaches ever. And he's deciding to go to this guy who's, you know, he's an accomplished coach now, but at the time, I don't think he was as, as well known as he, as he is. So going from Butch to Hank, the, the main change in the swing was not necessarily, you know, it wasn't a massive technique change. It was more so just a, a slight adjustment that can have some, have some pretty negative impacts, sure. And we saw that with his leg injuries. But it was, in a sense, trying to get more out of his body. He yeah. was trying to be more, more physically powerful in the way that he swung the golf club because at that time the race was how far can i hit the ball yeah. uh, at the professional level it wasn't necessarily long drive championships it was more so you know on a 72 to 7400 yard golf course how am i going to be able to hit it so far that i'm going to make the toughness of the course basically irrelevant yeah going from hank haney to uh, to uh, sean foley however that's the biggest change because when he went from Butch to Hank, the, the idea became to use more of the, the center of his body, more of the core of his body in the golf swing. And the swing would revolve less around kind of an up and down motion, but let, more of a, a rotary thing. So he'd, he'd hmm. use more rotation around his spine to generate torque. That torque puts a lot of strain on the body. And so, okay, with Sean Foley, Sean Foley's a big biophysics guy. He's really big into how the body uh, reacts acts and reacts in a physics sense. And so the change that he had Tiger make was that he wanted Tiger to be more on top of the ball in the sense that his chest at the moment, his club is making impact with the ball, is literally on top of the golf ball. Um but in order to do that, you have to not only swing around your body, but you have to be able to effectively snap your back up. And this is someone who has multiple leg injuries, multiple le- knee surgeries, um, who all of a sudden is putting a bunch of strain on his back. And that's ultimately what caused him to have to have these yeah. really complex and intricate back surgeries is because he's changing his his swing so that he, has to, he can compensate for a torn ACL, but in doing that, he puts too much stress on the back, and the back can't take yeah. that much in the way that he was playing. And so that's the thing that ultimately led to his downfall. And in in 2019 and and kind of the the way he, he plays now, the swing he has now, that's more more of the, you know, the older Tiger if you will, the, or the you know the the mid 2000s late 90s Tiger. Um it's more there's more kind of distance between the the body and and the club. In the sense that say with Butch, it was pretty—I don't know. It was more—I don't know how to, get it, how to describe it without being more, um, more technical. But effectively, his swing changes were the byproduct of two things. Number one, it was avoiding injuries or compensating for injuries. And number two, it was the pursuit of getting better. Butch to Hank was, in my opinion, a step down. Hank to Sean Foley was another step down. But then Sean Foley to Chris Como, who was a quote-unquote consultant— uh, and then back to kind of being self-coached again was kind of a, a move back in the direction that he needed to go. And so sure the, the most recent swing change is not because he wants to still be the greatest of all time. I'm sure there's a part of him that's like, yeah, I still want to be known as the greatest golfer ever. I mean, for me, he is. And for, I'm sure a lot of folks like me and folks who, you know, around my, around our age. Yeah, sure. I'm sure he is. But his last swing change is just so that he can keep playing. It's to avoid injuries again. And the way it is now, it still incorporates elements from every coach he's had and every kind of um, main characteristic of his golf swing, but it's not, it's not what it was back in the day.
1: So it's, it's so interesting to hear you talk about that, bro. I learned so much. That was really fascinating, but I guess like one of the biggest questions I have overall is like a top line takeaway, right? Was When he, so he switched, if I'm not mistaken, swings twice under Butch. But when he, in 2004, I think it was, he switched from Butch Butch to Hank Haney. And like you said, it was a step down. But how many what-ifs do you have in terms of, don't get me wrong, Tiger was still a great player. But that was the swing, Owen. From like 1997 to 2004, mm-hmm. and saw the greatest golf anyone has and will ever play. Yeah. So, do you ever have these, these what ifs where, in terms of if he had never changed his swing, like what would have happened?
0: Well, there's a lot that goes with that. And I, I want to basically hammer this, home, hammer this point home harder than any other point I've made on the show, specifically with golf. A golf swing is not about putting the club in the perfect position. It's about putting the club in the right position for you. It's about putting the club on the ball in the proper way, no matter how you get there. And Tiger switching from Butch uh, to Hank Haney, I'm sorry, or yeah, to Hank Haney from Butch is, it's a significant factor in kind of the way his body deteriorated. But ultimately, you can't pin that on a swing change because he may have assessed that that's not right, that swing's not right for him. Because that early, that late 90s, early 2000s swing, it's very textbook in the sense that it's very position, position, position-based. Whereas with Hank Haney, it's more position relative to the body. And then with Sean Foley, it's more body-based. And then with Chris Cuomo, it's kind of getting back to this you know, this harmony between the body and the golf club that Mm. ultimately makes Butch's teaching so great because Butch does not necessarily teach a swing. He teaches a player Mm. and the top coaches all do that. But the player has a little bit of input on that as well because, you know, if, if I hand you a golf club on a range and I say, okay, hit three golf balls, I'm not going to say, okay, here's where you need to put the club because this is what the textbook says. I'm going to tell you, okay, you seem to be doing a lot of... You have a lot of these habits, so let's try to get the club in this position because that feels natural to you. Okay, that's not working. Let's make an adjustment on how you get from point A to point B. Point A is all the way at the top. Point B is impact. So there's a lot of, a lot of moving parts in the golf swing, literally. And I think a lot of people just need to understand that it's not about a certain a swing or a position it's about a player and what the player has uh at that point in their in their golfing career
1: yeah no i mean I, I i agree and i think that it's just what you said is 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 fascinating and i think it's just i guess the question right is like he made that judgment at that time but was it the right decision was his own tinkering like to a fall? Um, and, but I should say, you know, it, it's 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 interesting when you when you mention that. But it's it's like it's like it was very, like you said, it was a very textbook swing. Yeah. But like what's so staggering is even someone like me, I know that his swing was like. Complete, like it didn't look anything like when you switch Hank Haney, it didn't look anything like, it. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know. So it's just this, this have such a radical change. It's like, um, man, that's crazy. You know, but I should mention in the interest of time. So the third one, yeah. before we get onto the good, before we get onto our favorite, like just amazing members, the third one on that, I really think, and there's a lot that I really think could have, this one would have gotten to 18 if we assume the other two the other one which i think tiger would really have a lot of regrets about not you know there've been plenty of tournaments where he, you know he maybe just didn't show up on sunday you know uh, british open 2013 that's an example but to me i think it was what year was it, it was 20 okay the 20 yeah it was 2013 masters that's the one where it was maybe the most uncharacteristic tiger like tournament right he's playing really well and then um, you know he he hits the flag stick on the fifth hole. Ball goes into the water. He takes a drop. People, many people think that he violated the rule. That's like maybe the one time he did. And, um, you know, and then on Sunday, he, you know, I think he was five shots off the lead, but he comes back. He's within a like, shot. And then he just didn't get it done. And that's the one where I, I'm just like, man, he kind of capitulated. You know, he, he, that was very uncharacteristic. He beat himself. Like in that tournament
0: so so what I will say is that um, you make a lot of really good points, and that I think is a really a really defining moment in his quote unquote first comeback if you will um, that shot it's this third shot in the fifteen on augusta on at augusta on friday uh second round of that that tournament so when when that happens when you're hitting your third into a par five and you have under a hundred yards and you hit the flag stick. That's most of the time unlucky because what happens is with a wedge in your hand from inside hundred yards at the highest level, you're looking to put that thing inside of five feet. Mm. I mean, that's how good those guys are mm. because at Augusta, realistically, if you're walking away from the par fives for the week, with a scoring average uh, above five at or above five, you're losing several shots to the field. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are not the most difficult par fives in the world. They're not easy. I mean, you still have to make shots, but good shots are rewarded at Augusta Mm -hmm. on the par fives. And that is an example of one of the most horrendous breaks you can get playing Mm -hmm. golf. Mm -hmm. And that, in in addition to, to what happened on Sunday, uh, is kind of one of the things that that makes, you know, it it causes people to realize that, you know, yeah, he really may never be the same person again. The same not the same person, the same, um, the same golfer again. But the thing is, we talked about this just a little bit earlier. One of the things that made him so elite and so great for so many years is the fact that if you gave him a lead on Sunday, he's not gonna lose the tournament. He's gonna win that tournament easily. He had to play out of his element on On Sunday at Augusta, he had to try to come from behind, and sometimes when you press a little bit, especially in golf in the major in final round, you, you tend to to make mistakes because the margins are so so incredibly fine. Every shot means a little bit more, and the margins are so fine. So I wouldn't say he capitulated as much as I'd say it was just, you know, as I, as much as I kind of don't want to be that guy. It was kind of meant. It wasn't meant to happen that week, and you know, sometimes in sports you get, you know, golf, I think is the ultimate, uh, reflection of this. Sometimes you get bad breaks from good shots. Mm-hmm. You get good breaks from bad shots, but you get to play the ball where it lies. I mean, that's, that's a direct quote from Bobby Jones. One of the greatest to ever do it at least, you know, back when golf was like 20 people at tournaments. So,
1: yeah, I, I, I think the reason that that one stands out for me, I agree that capitulating is, um, it's hard and And you're right, but I I just think that um, two things. Number one was I think that was a very... He just couldn't get enough going, and he's had other bad rounds, but I I thought that it was just kind of one of those things where he was just going to, in that moment, just somehow overcome the odds. It just didn't... Because he crept back in it, and he didn't do it, which was... like he, In other words, it was within reach, but he just didn't quite grab it at the end. But I also think or anything to me. I mean, what sticks out is the the rules infraction. I do want to ask you for your your thoughts on that drop. Um, what are your thoughts on that drop? And I just think that that was the talk of that Masters. I mean, everyone was talking about that drop. And it doesn't mean he's the kind. That's not the kind of person he's in the golf course. But I think many people would say that in that case he was he took the wrong position. And also, I should mention it was a close tournament, so that those two shots it cost him may have cost him the tournament.
0: Yeah, so I'm trying to remember this as, as, as uh, accurately as I can. But basically, he hit the ball in the water. So obviously, the rule is uh, on, in that sort of situation, you have the option of dropping it almost exactly where you were um, and replaying your shot uh, or taking the point where the ball crosses the line to go into the hazard. Uh, taking a point between there and the hole and going as far back as you want, uh, and then dropping, then you're able, as long as it's not closer to the hole, um, that's those are your options. So he didn't like that option of taking uh, the flag and the point where the ball crossed and going as far back as he wanted. He didn't like that option because he was inside of 60 yards. It was a very, very short shot. So he dropped in the area, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. that he hit from originally. Mm-hmm. And I think what was the criticism that it wasn't close enough to the original spot?
1: yeah, so the the criticism was he, you know, he hadn't dropped the ball where it went out of bounds, but he dropped it, I think, a couple yards back because it would give him more room to chip.
0: yeah. so it's honestly, it's well within the rules to do what he did. it's It's well, one of the, the rules.
1: Controversy, though, was the reason he broke the rule was because he. Dropped it not right where it went out of bounds. Like he he deliberately dropped it. That's what. That's why he got. Uh, whether it was the right call or not, I'm just saying the reason they uh, gave him the penalty and the reason why some people say Brook will did that was he deliberately dropped the ball in a different place than he should have because it gave him more room to hit the shot.
0: Right. Okay. So yeah. Uh, now remembering a little better. So it's one of those judgment calls that. I'm sure at the amateur level you see moments like that a lot where there are drops that are not right next, not necessarily right next to where the ball was hit from previously, but in the general vicinity, it's just this, this is, you know, of the masters, this is one of the biggest tournaments, if not the biggest tournament in the world. And there's good, there's multiple cameras on every player at every given moment. And so that's, that kind of thing's going to happen. And I think that, you know, yes, he should have, paid a little more attention to where he dropped uh, relative to where he hit from previously. But it, it's, not a, it's not like a, a Patrick Reed improving his lie kind of situation. No, no. It's put not. it that way. So no, it's not. I think it's, it's way overblown.
2: Sure. Uh, and,
0: and at the time, I was just kind of thinking, like they're only doing this because he's Tiger.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's for sure. I, I think it's because he's Tiger. And I just think that people make mistakes. And I think whenever it happens in golf, they freak out. It's like the world's coming to an end when mm. someone makes a rules mistake, right? Exactly. But I just think that that, for, I honestly think that that shot for a while, I mean, it took four or five years before people forgot about it to be perfect. Mm. And I think because it was Tiger, it just stuck with people for some reason.
0: Yeah. And I do want to know before we move on to, I guess, the next, the next moment, if you will. Yeah. Um, what I will say is that I can kind of understand why he made the mistake because I think he's just in shock, to be honest, mm-hmm. because that ball where it hit on the flag stick was. I mean, I, I don't know. I'd say three or four times out of 10. That ball is going in. That's that was going to be a three on a par five, two or three times out of 10. Mm-hmm. Where, judging where it hit on the flag, where the hole was and who the player is more likely than not he's going to chip that in, and so to see it hit the flag and have all that backspin and spin all the way back in the water, I think is a little bit it, it can be jarring because you're it if something comes out exactly the way you want it to and you can't play it any better and it goes in the water, I mean you're kind of shell shocked almost
1: but, it, but it's it's what's so I think interesting and why it's interesting to bring it up is you could say that I mean, we're never going to know what was going through his head, right? but the you could argue that he his emotions got the best of him yes and yes while He was very emotional his emotions have never really gotten the best of him where you see some players just when they're angry it can just um destroy them on the course mm-hmm. what people say in that moment it was like you're right he got one of the most unlucky breaks he had a fantastic shot ball goes in the water and it was just he didn't regather his composure he just Was like I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just not happy with how that happened, and I'm gonna make this drop. And if that's what happened, it was one of the moments where, you know, uh, that and I think it's important to to point out too on that, like you said, you've you've uh, talked about a lot of these things. You know, 2013, he was PJ Tour Player of the Year. He won five times. That was the last that we saw of him before his injury. Um, And so I think that. It's interesting to think about because it's like, that was almost the, I don't want to say the the beginning of the first end. Like it was, it was like, little did we know watching that, that we, we would think he'd never be back. So that, that I think was a very significant moment uh, in his history, but I agree the rules infraction was just much overblown uh, for sure
0: yep yep totally agreed totally agreed I, I don't know man there's so many so many different memories of tiger we can look back on in in his career. Um, 2013 is definitely one of those ones where you, you're thinking you know obviously he goes down injured at the I think it was the Northern Trust at yep. Liberty national
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but but that year, there were a bunch of close calls and majors, and then after that he never really contended until
1: 2018 yep I want to say transitioning to the good you know it's in case this is it for tiger and even if he does come back i mean let's be honest i'm not expecting him to ever he's going to be reduced mobility for sure and I, I mean for sure um it's gonna it's hard to see him ever playing well again yeah so let's talk about the good let's put into context what made him so great, and just the positive memories you have, whether it's years or tournaments. So, tell me, what are your favorite memories of in terms of the positive uh, wins he's had or years on the PGA Tour? Any, any really positive memories uh, of Tiger? The floor is here.
0: Oh, my God. I mean, I think it, it makes most sense to go backwards in, in years. So, we'll start with uh, 2019 at the Masters. I was watching with. no surprise, Chris, who we had on last week. Um, I was watching with Chris and his roommate, and I I just remember the three of us going absolutely nuts because all of us were golf fans. Um, Chris and I had been in the game a lot longer than his roommate, but all of us were fans, all of us were Tiger fans, and seeing that moment, um, it, it was just, it was affirmation of what I already believed that he's the greatest of all time, and no one will ever come close to his uh his achievements just the the sum of all of the trials and tribulations of back surgeries, knee surgeries, swing changes, extramarital affairs i mean that was the statement that he's back on the map mm-hmm. um, you know obviously the only thing that got in the way of him, and I think he would have won another major in twenty twenty uh was obviously the the pandemic and and the one thing that Um, In a sense is what is reviving the podcast. So we're kind of lucky for that. But in in the other sense, it it robbed, I think, a lot of athletes of a very important year and year or so. I mean, yes, they're still playing golf tournaments now, but it's just not the same um, kind of atmosphere. I mean, yes, golf tournaments are are typically quiet events, um, you know, when players are actually hitting, but it's just a different feel with with covid. Uh so twenty nineteen at the Masters. Um let's go back to twenty thirteen at the players. Yeah. Uh him winning the players that year was I mean, it was kind of a reminder of of what he can do when he's playing really well. I think that week he he just kind of reminded us all of how good he can be when he's at his best. Yeah. And I, I think as far as just having close to your A stuff, that's that's as close as we're gonna see. Uh, at least in this this kind of second coming of tiger if you will. Um so 2013 at the players. Uh a few months before that, 2013 at the Farmers in in Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey. Uh watching him chip in on I don't remember which hole it was, but watching him chip in on the back 9. Um that to me because I was I was playing on the high school golf team at that point and one of the contentious points between me and and two of the other guys on the team was, you know, it was Tiger. Will he ever win a golf tournament again? Will he ever be good again? Yeah. Uh, that tournament to me was, was a reminder of how good he, he really is or really can be. Um, and that shot's just kind of one that, that personified that. Um, the year before mm-hmm. at Bay Hill, his return to winning on the PGA Tour,
2: yeah.
0: that moment to me was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't remember what my outlook was on Tiger at the time, but it was very much just, you know, who would have thought this, this would be, this would have been possible again. I mean, who would have thought we'd be here after everything had been through since 2009. Um, and there's, I'm just going through this now. There's two moments I missed. There's 2012, uh, chipping in at the Memorial and there's, um, there's God, 2012 at the memorial. There's another one I missed. Oh, 2018 at the tour championship, where there's that massive crowd of people, you know, and that was a month and a half or a year. Sorry, not a month and a half, a year and a half after major reconstructive back surgery, fusion sure. back surgery. Mm. You know, it, these are, these are major injuries and major surgeries that this dude is having. And yet he's continuing to play at the highest level. Yeah. And, and there's just so much that, you know, it, it just, you look at it and you can't say anything but this is the greatest to ever do it
1: yeah no for sure uh so a couple of uh interesting points um they picked up on so the first i want to ask i think there's two really interesting things that you said i want to pick up on so the first is tiger woods has dominated the uh, Bay, at Bay Hill or the Arnold Palmer Invitational. I don't know if it's always called the Arnold Palmer Invitational, but he's won what nine, ten times there.
0: Uh, eight um, times, I think.
1: Eight times, and you know, I mean, watching I watched that Chasing History documentary on um, on Golf Channel, and man, they just they literally went through every single one of his eighty-one wins, and you know, that's in there. So, first off, I mean, what do you think made him so? What what about that course and that event? has he dominated why why do you think it's that
0: i don't know if there's if there's one specific thing about that course um he lived in, in jupiter a uh, suburb of orlando for a long time and bay hill is in orlando so in in that sense it's like a home game it's like the florida swing on the PJ tour is like a home game for 90 percent of guys on tour i mean most guys live in florida these days it's, it's florida vegas arizona and um i think it's florida vegas and arizona are the main ones i mean i think phil still lives in san diego mm-hmm. uh you know and there's a couple uh, sea island is becoming a big one down in georgia mm-hmm. but for the most part it's south florida and that's like a home game for most of those guys and i think i, I don't know i think just the way bay hill is set up mm-hmm. it rewards bold play it's a reflection of arnold palmer it's It's very much so if you can dominate the par fives, if you can go for the par fives and play aggressively, you're going to be rewarded. And, you know, one of the things that made Tiger different when he first came on tour was his length, was how far he was able to hit the golf ball. Uh, You know, it's just it's one of those things where I think there's there's never necessarily one thing about one course that um, that makes one player inherently have an advantage. I mean, you at Augusta, the key shot is not a fade; it's a high draw. Yep. And Tiger's natural shot is a high fade. And so, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a, a course that demands a specific type of shot is going to be one you always win. I mean, yes, he's won five times at Augusta. Yeah. But it, 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 sometimes it's just it's a psychological thing too. Sometimes it's just he lives in the area. Yeah. And that's it feels more comfortable for him.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that it's probably psychological. Definitely with the Masters, it's he knows the course so well. He's able to maneuver the golf ball, which at Augusta you have to do. There's no better player at the Masters, right, than Tiger. Um but the one thing before I want to ask you about some of his all time epic major performances, what the thing I wanted to ask you was just It's something I'm very interested in, and it's something maybe people are never going to talk about, but I think it's worth mentioning. A lot of people say that, um, you know, Tiger dominated so much, but he never really had, so he never really had, you know, you could, people say Vijay Singh was his true rival. I think Sergio Garcia was his biggest rival. Not in terms of, um, not in terms of literally, like, challenging him, like, you know, Ernie Els or Vijay Singh, but... That rivalry was spicy. Those two guys did not like each other. And Sergio Garcia was this hot shot on the PJ Tour. And I just think for me that when we talk about what makes golf interesting, I think that's like the greatest rivalry in sports that I can think of that no one talks about. I genuinely think if you asked Tiger, and not even Phil, right? Because Phil... Of course, you know, Phil was dueling him. Phil never was ranked number one, and and maybe that was the guy in his rank. But there's some bad blood between him and Sergio. And so let me ask you this I mean, does that rivalry stand out, or do you think his biggest brother was Phil Mickelson? No,
0: No, I think he busted out the hot takes a little too early, my guy. Uh, I I do have to say, I see the point you're trying to make with Sergio. Mm -hmm. Um, Sergio made a pretty poor comment about um, a pretty poor. Racially oriented comment about Tiger, yeah, uh, during the mm-hmm. 2013 players, yeah, um, and there was this whole commotion of Tiger playing a group behind Sergio and Sergio, or is playing with Sergio, and he he's in the woods. Sergio's in the middle of fairway. He pulls a club, and there's a crowd of people behind him. They all go nuts uh, while Sergio's playing, and Sergio hits a bad shot, and he blames that on Tiger. You mm-hmm. know, purposefully motivating the crowd to go wild before he even hits a hits a shot um and then that week i think he makes a comment about tiger and fried chicken which you know obviously is one of the most just ridiculous right. stereotypes yeah for sure and and to to use that as a as a golfer is a little like this is you know people call golf like the gentleman's game and yeah. that's one of the most one of the most Ridiculous things yeah. you can ever, ever say. Absolutely. Um, so, but I I honestly don't think there's... When you talk of rivalries in golf, um, you talk about two guys going toe-to-toe for several years. Um, so I think Tiger had three key individual rivals. Okay. So individually. Number one is Vijay. Okay. Vijay was the one player who was able to alternate... World number one with Tiger. He was able to kind of keep pace with Tiger at when he was at his very best. The thing is, Tiger was so good, he could win with his B stuff or his C stuff. He didn't need to play his best to win every week. He could win playing, you know, by his standards, okay. I mean, most guys on tour have to play well to win. Tiger could get by with okay stuff. Um, The other is Phil. And Phil, I, I think the rivalry between Phil and Tiger is not so much on course competitiveness it's more so kind of the the mental chess match off the course because at the time phil was one of the main guys who who really lent into this uh the equipment developments in the early 2000s uh the really the change from uh an old bolada ball which uh for those who aren't as familiar it's a ball that spins a lot chris mentioned this last week but it's a ball that spins like crazy you can't control it as much um yeah And going from that to um, metal drivers and steel shafts, Um, Tiger was a lot slower to adapt to that. And he was talking about Phil was making comments at the time about out driving Tiger and like being better Tiger, leaving Tiger in the dust. And, you know, yes, he won his masters in 2004, but then Tiger stormed back and won in 05. And, and, you know, Tiger reminded the world why he is, he is at that time, you know, why I'm number one. At least, you know, he was at the time. Um, and it's just this back and forth between Tiger and Phil for so many years. I mean, it's not necessarily that contrasting styles where Tiger was the more, you know, boring kind of golf and Phil, you know, Phil the thrill is what they call him on tour. But it was more so just the, you know, the back and forth between, between the two, I think that, that stands out. And a rivalry to me is, is on course, the on course component has to be there, yes, but off course as well. And the, the little, you know, the jabs at each other, that these days you wouldn't see maybe as much of, except maybe the collective PJ tour against Patrick Reed, but no one likes Patrick Reed.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the thing just, I I do just want to say is you make a lot of great points. And I think that the reason why I think the Phil one was so interesting is because you're right that VJ was able to alternate or number one. And VJ was a hall of famer. I mean, he was really, really good and actually like was his closest, like true competitor that was able to kind of wrestle stuff away. Yep. Whereas, as great as Phil is, 40 plus wins. He was never able to wrestle like number one. I, I think though, it's just, when you look at the comments, like Tiger, lived, I mean, part of it's in his head, right? But, but Tiger really at one point did not like Phil and it wasn't because mm-hmm. Phil did. He just thought, look, they think this guy's so good. He's from California. Like he's trying to wrestle number one away from me. He, he thinks I'm a rival. Like he, he early in his career, he talked about men. Like I really just want to beat this guy. Yeah. So it's really unfortunate that they never really went much head to head. I think the closest thing you could think of, I mean, I can be off the top of my head, was 2002. I think it was US Open, where he beat Phil Mickelson, came in second. Hmm. But that's one thing that I think is, is interesting. But uh, yeah, the, so the last thing I wanted to say on, on Tiger uh, and get your thoughts on was yeah. Um, obviously, Tiger, we talk about his legacy and his dominance. There have been years and tournaments where he's just obliterated the field. So which performances stand out to you that are your favorite or of those just epic
2: performances for you?
0: Um, well, the favorite's got to be 2008 at, at the U.S. Open. I remember this like it was yesterday. Um, he makes the, the putt on the 72nd hole at Torrey Pines to force a playoff with Rocco Mediate. Very next day. Um, both my parents were working. I think my brother was at some sort of summer camp. So I was, I was home alone. I was, um, I had to figure out what to do for breakfast and lunch. Um, and so I remember hearing the playoffs started at like, I don't know, noon Eastern time or something like that. I remember that day planting myself right in front of the TV and not moving a muscle all day. Watch every single shot that Tiger would hit. Um. Not even that the way he played, because honestly, the playoff was kind of a snooze. Um, yeah, there was some some shots back and forth, but playoffs in U.S. Opens are, they happen the next day, unlike other tournaments, and it's just, it the golf wasn't spectacular, but what it was and who it was and the situation made it spectacular for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I want to, the other only one that I can really remember clearly, like really clearly, I don't remember 2005 at Augusta all that well.
2: Right.
0: But I do want to mention 2012 at the Memorial.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He
0: was in a situation where he could win the tournament, but it didn't seem likely, and he was in a really tough spot on uh, on 16 at uh, Muirfield Village, and he hits one of the most ridiculous flop shots you'll ever see in your entire life, uh, and holds it. And considering his history at that place, his history with that tournament. Once he made that shot, your only thought in that scenario can be, he's winning this week. He's you he's winning this that,
1: uh, chip shot on
0: uh, yeah 16. on sixteen. Yeah, yeah. He it's shots like that, single shots, not necessarily rounds of dominance where he rips off you know five five birdies and six holes. It's more so just singular moments with yeah. with Tiger. I mean, you could go down the list. Two thousand one at the players like you mentioned earlier. Two thousand at the PGA. 2002 at Augusta to win the green jacket, 2005 at Augusta, 2008 at Torrey Pines.
1: Is it USO? There's the shot. Remember the bunker shot at 18 where he's like right next to the bunker and he hits it, oh, just snaps it into the hole. It's one of the best shots I've ever seen. Um, um,
0: 2002?
1: I think. Um, let me. Yeah, I can, I can look it up. It was, this is like one of the greatest shots. That yeah, seen. I mean,
0: the, I think the point is he has a catalog of of just all-time great shots.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. But, I mean, that Memorial, look, that Memorial one is is right up there. Um, but, and also, I mean, we, we, we can't not mention the chip, right, at the Masters.
0: Oh, yeah, 16 at Augusta in 2005. I, it, uh, come on now.
1: I mean, for sure. I mean, for me, the... I agree. I remember the two thousand eight um, U.S. Open at Pebble uh, against Rocco media at uh, Torrey. Oh, Torrey, sorry. Yeah. Um. I remember that vividly. Um. But I just think for me the the one and that was an amazing moment. I think for me the one that really stands out is um. To me, and this is like my my interesting thing, right? A lot of people will say, well winning at, at Pebble Beach by was it fifteen shots or yeah. something to like the Tiger Slam, which is just incredible, four majors in the calendar year. For me, I mean, what really stands out, and I just think it's the number one in my opinion, is just the nineteen ninety seven Masters. Mm. I mean, here he is as a young kid. He beats the field by nine shots. A, I love it because in sports I love like those moments where like man, like this guy who's hyped up is really a prodigy. Like, this guy, that was the moment that was like, welcome to the PJ Tour. This is guy, this guy is going to be a legendary player. And also, it's what a lot of inspired a lot of these young guys. They'll say, like, I remember uh, Tony Finau recently said, he's like, I watched the 1997 Masters, right? It was after the crash. He's like, that's what got me into golf. So I think for me, the 1997 Masters stands out because of his arrival to being prodigy. And that is the one which I think, brought players and also i would even say the african-american community and the minor minority minority communities who or just people who don't necessarily like golf they just like tiger that was the one i think that really brought them into the sport
0: yep yep i i agree 97 is is a huge day uh a huge huge turning point in in golf if you will um and I think if if by '97 folks weren't weren't already paying attention, they were certainly paying attention in 2000 when he won, um, when he won the U.S. Open by 15 at Pebble. I do want to mention though, really quickly, before we, we before we move on, uh, the the third big rival he had. And we were on this point a little bit ago. Oh. I want to mention really quickly. That's Ernie Els. Oh,
1: Ernie Els. Yeah.
0: Ernie Els mm. would have double digit majors if it was not for Tiger. Mm. Ernie Els is one of the greatest mm-hmm. champions uh runner up champions in the history of golf because he finished second or in the top 5 in so many tournaments that tiger won mm-hmm. specifically majors wow. and you know yes the the argument that to beat the best you have to beat the, to be the best you have to beat the best but man Ernie had so many close calls and just think of what his career would have been if it, not, if it had not been for Tiger. I mean, that said, golf would not be the popular sport it is now. I mean, it's by no stretch, you know, a super popular sport, but it would not have the, the widespread appeal it does these days if it was not for Tiger. And this is, for all intents and purposes, the Tiger Woods uh, episode of the podcast.
1: You know, and it's really interesting you mentioned that because uh, two things. I mean, number one, I think that's Ernie Els is a perfect example of it wasn't that Tiger faced weak competition; it was like Tiger beat them down. Yes, Els had so many famous calls, and he was just an incredible golfer. And I think it's also very interesting too because I will just say, if you really look at the, it's so interesting you actually mentioned that. So Ernie Els has four major championships, and. If you look at the list, there is a long list of people at four, and then there's like a, a when you start to get five and six and then like double digits, it's so different. And Ernie Els is like the guy sitting there being like, "Man, like he's so underappreciated because of that." But I, I just think I want to say I, I think that the the thing about who about the the thing about Ernie Els and Tiger which is so interesting, was that to me, I feel like Ernie Els was, like you just said, you hit it. He had so many close calls. And that's the thing where it's just like, VJ might have been a better player. But when I think of like really elite players he held off, I think of like, man, Ernie Els was there like so much. And Tiger just held him down. So that that talked about his greatness, you know?
0: Exactly, exactly. And that's why... I think you and I are talking about this uh, two episodes ago when we did the goat discussion for for a long time. One of the things that I will always say with Tiger is that he faced effectively three generations worth of elite talent. Uh, number one is the generation that immediately followed Jack Nicholas. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the kind of end of the careers of of the Tom Watsons of the world. Um, I mean, Jack had a little bit of. A little bit more left in him, but yeah. it was the, the end of Tom Watson's kind of, you know, heyday, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, more along those lines. But it's it a generation of very, very good golfers who a lot of whom are Hall of Famers. Yeah. Um, then you get into the players that Tiger played with Ernie Els, Vijay Singh, Miguel Angel Jimenez. Those three right there were already multiple winners on uh, the PGA Tour and around the world. Right. If not, if not, the P- if not the PGA Tour for Jimenez, then around the world. Uh, and then there's the third generation, which is the generation he created by being so good against those first two. And that, I think, is the one thing that that guys like Michael and even Kobe to an extent and, and even down the list of athletes, uh, we won't know, but Messi and Ronaldo. I mean, we're seeing a little bit with Ronaldo and Kylian Mbappe, but Mbappe's yeah. only 22 and Mbappe Mbappe's crazy and, and Holland as well in, in soccer. But I don't think there's another sport where one singular superstar spawns an entire generation who want to be exactly like him. I mean, yes, there's people growing up. Want to be, want to be like Mike and yeah. you know, there's, there's situations where, you know, guys in the NBA these days looked up to Kobe or, yeah. you know, players in baseball looked up to like big poppy and Vladdy Guerrero and uh, Manny Ramirez, but golf, it's it's just tiger there's no other comparison really
1: it's, and that's what makes it is like you said he's the singular role model it's not like most other sports where it's just fragmented and who people look up to the kind of golf they want to play you know the what he does on the on how he gets around augusta and you know we're going to have a lot of tiger specific podcast we could have so i i'd love to just have them about you know specific courses and his record of place but yeah no i should i know it's it's fascinating but before we touch on the future of the pga tour is there anything else that you want to want to say about tiger
0: um i have one but i'll save it for one standout one but i'll save it for hot takes um oh. but what i will say about tiger is that you know we haven't at all and I, I wanna make this point abundantly clear to those who may not be as familiar with who Tiger Woods is off the course with the exception of his extramarital affairs. It's his foundation. So the Tiger Woods Foundation's basic mission is to help underserved kids uh get better access to education, specifically in the STEM field, science, technology, engineering, and math. So that to me is the biggest thing you need to know about Tiger Woods right now is how many kids he's helped with his foundation Mm -hmm. because he understands along with his mother and his late father, they understand how important education is. They understand how important math and science are or STEM. And that to me goes beyond anything he's done on the golf course. Not only has it inspired entire generation of not just golfers, but golfers of all backgrounds. Yeah but he's inspired people of all backgrounds to work as hard as they can and be relentless in their pursuit of things that they love. Mm -hmm. That to me is a bigger legacy than any great shot at a golf tournament, any record held by any individual athlete. Mm -hmm. It's that singular point. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about Tiger Woods, yes, you have to talk about the golf Yes, you have to talk about the things that aren't so great, but you have to talk about his foundation. Yeah. Have to.
1: I think that's that's such an important point. Oh, and the TGR Foundation is amazing. The initiatives they do. Uh, I think that, you know, there's a lot of it, but I think that it's helped so much. I think when you're talking about STEM education, for example, that's one yeah. thing we focus focused on recently. It's made such a big difference in people's lives, but But yeah, look, I'm sure that there's a lot of athletes that do great work, but at the same time, from what I do know, like the TGR foundation, like really stands out. Yes. It's a huge part of his legacy, like absolutely. And something that absolutely transcends the way he inspired people, you know, on the course. And it's a extremely important point for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, But, you know, thankfully he's still around and... Yeah. You know, it seems like he's he's starting to recover from yeah. a pretty horrific uh accident. But you know, if he never touches a golf club again at the professional level, what does this mean for the PGA Tour? And you and I had a little bit of a discussion about this, but I want to get your thoughts because your thoughts aren't exactly as uh in line with what I thought they would be. Okay. So so what happens yeah. if Tiger Woods never plays another tournament at the professional level?
1: So um, it's interesting, and you're the golf expert, so I'll let you have the ultimate authority. But um, I don't think that golf is in a good place like a lot of people do. I don't. And here's the reason why um, three reasons. Number one is that we always thought that the tour was going to be prepared for post Tiger, but it's pretty clear. When Tiger came back and played after injuries, that you saw the effect he still had, and I just don't think golf ever really moved on. And but the second reason, Owen, is that I don't think that there's any players that grab the audience. A, there's not a great we have, it is one of the only big sports where there's literally not a superstar. Dustin Johnson's the closest thing to a superstar, but for what the casual fans care about, which is the majors, he's really underperformed. Same with Rory McIlroy. And number two, oh, and I would just argue that there's no true rivalries and there's no spice. Brooks Koepka is the closest thing we have, but there's no ri- there's no great in this. There's no rivalries that make us tune in. There's every and then everyone's too nice. It's like what you have is you're gonna have a lot of great you're going to have what uh, a bunch of different players winning majors and winning tournaments and but but that's not what people want to see they want to see greatness and they want to see rivalries but golf doesn't have that right now brooks kepka the best thing that would happen for the PGA tour is brooks kepka he's the one player that captivates audiences in my opinion. He crosses over the main like golf lines. He he trash talks a little bit. He he you know he he's he he's a cool dude. Um and Brooks Kepka A B he always shows up in the big moments. I think he's gonna end up with more majors and you know it's probably not hard to envision him maybe getting the eight or nine. And I could see him developing a true rivalry. Like, you know but it's like, there's no one right now that grabs my attention. Like I said, Dustin Johnson's a quiet superstar, Like right? Rory McElroy is too, is too nice. And, you know, Justin Thomas is one, you know, one major. I could keep going on, but it's just, there's nothing that just stars grab your attention. And golf doesn't have one. They really don't have a superstar, you know? And, yeah. and in reality, I'll say, I'll just say this. There is a very big distinction we have to make between appreciating them for their athletes, but what draws in the casual fan. You have made me realize, and you're absolutely right, golf's a hard game. So what they do, it is so hard to win a golf tournament. So when you're Dustin Johnson and you win 20-something events, or Rory McIlroy, I think he's won 17 PGA Tour events, and you win four majors and two, um, it's incredible. Now, that being said, the truth is that casual fans, they care about the postseason. And in golf, they care about the big events. So that's how we talk about We talk about Jordan, right? We talk about LeBron. We talk about no, Serena Williams. We talk about Tom Brady. We talk about Derek Jeter because they perform in the biggest moments. So if you don't have players that consistently perform in the big notice, moments, and I understand golf's hard because of the nature of it, but it's not It's just not going to grab the public's attention, you know there's a difference yep. between appreciating them but understanding what's going to make the casual fan tune in to golf
0: no, you're absolutely right. you bring up a lot of really valid points, and I think golf is headed in a direction where it's 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 got to make the most of this kind of quote unquote tiger bump of of tiger being just involved in the sport uh at the playing level mm-hmm. you know his his effect on the sport is going to be felt for another couple decades at least. But I think over time, I think golf will kind of revert to being kind of the, a little bit of elitist sport that it was for so many years. Pre tiger. Yeah. Because, you know, like you're saying, we haven't seen the same kind of singular dominance that he showed when he first came up, but he's also the reason we won't have that. Or at least a big reason we don't have that because he drew in so many folks from other who yep. probably would have been playing other sports. I mean, Brooks Kepka, if not for Tiger, would probably be a baseball player. Yeah, he said. That, that's what he said. He'd probably be playing baseball. Yep. And, and so you can't necessarily establish that you know golf is going to stay on this upper trajectory even if Tiger Woods never picks up a club again at the professional level. Um, you know, you could go so many different ways with this, but I, I think I, I tend to agree that. You know, without Tiger, the sport's not in as good of a place for the casual fan as it is for the hardcore fan. Now, for for guys like me who just love the sport, it, it, golf is still going to be amazing. There's a
1: difference. It's a difference.
0: And exactly, and that that is the the difference between Tiger and and the rest of the superstars these days, or the stars these days, is that they're not drawing in casual fans. No. Tiger drew in everybody. He got everyone hooked on golf. Mm-hmm. But you know. Like, let me give you an example. So, obviously, in the early 2000s, you know, sports video games kind of became a big thing. Mm -hmm. You know, FIFA, Madden, NBA. But here's one that features a current player. I mean, Madden is one of the weird ones. Here's one. Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2005.
1: It was a great game. Did you like playing it?
0: My favorite sports game of all time. Yeah. I played... Hours on hours on hours of that game. I mean, my character that I created was kind of, you know, it was the antithesis of what I was at the time. I was a scrawny, tiny Asian kid, and this was a, a gi- ginormous, jacked Asian dude. Um, but we'll get into that. That's, that's for another time. But the point is, no other video game really had a singular name after it who was still. I mean, yes, John Madden was still involved in the NFL, but, you know, John, he wasn't playing and the, the game wasn't about him. It was just about the NFL. Tiger Woods was about playing against and beating Tiger Woods. Tell me, give me another sport that has that. And, and when they switched from Tiger Woods to Rory McIlroy PGA Tour, the game just disappeared. Oh. It fell off completely because there's no Tiger. Tiger's the draw, he's the selling point. He's he's the reason people give a shit about golf in the first place. And he's the reason that people won't care after him.
1: You're 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 right. In some ways the tour is a victim of this test, and you're you're absolutely right with what you said. And the game did fall off, right, when we saw him go away, and that's and that's what I'm worried about. Um and but what I what and what I'd also say though, Owen, which makes it even scarier though, right? Is that you mentioned that there's no one to draw in the casual fans, right? Um, like I said, I think Brooks Kepka is the only hope. But the scarier thing about it, Owen, is like there is a distinct – as many good golfers is, I have to be honest, like in sports, like you said, we talk about the stars. There is a distinct like lack of great players in this generation. You know right now if you if we're talking about other than tiger right because in sports we talk about the superstars and like like lebron right he's he's the subject of every show it's like following his career right now it's like there's a really distinct amount of lack of just forget even tiger just lack of good players like great players like if you were to tell me right now uh when, when this generation is done, who are you going to remember as a great golfer? I would give you, I would say this. I would say that if not for Tiger, I would say that fringe candidates are Dustin Johnson and Rory McGrew. But there's not, and maybe if Brooks Kepka, certainly if he ever rattled off a bunch of majors, but there's not one guy, even. There's not one guy on that at the end of the tour, I'm going to be like, man, there was at least a few, like, legends that we talk about, like Watson and Trevino and Player. And it's like, I'll be like, yeah, okay. Like, McIlroy was a very good player. Dust Johnson was a very good player. But was he elite? Certain, Look, certainly Hall of Fame. Or certainly Hall of Famer, straight to Hall of Fame. But, like, legends of the game, like, guys on, like, the Mount Rushmore, top 10-15, no. Like, I, I think when you talk about those guys, top 30, which is amazing, but there's this distinct lack of like superstars and it's just not only tiger, but it's like, you got to go down to like the B level.
0: Yeah, exactly. That scares me. Uh No, no, no. And, and it is, it is definitely a scary thought to have. And so that's why I think
1: I should mention real quick, Phil Mickelson's going to retire. Like Phil Mickelson has
0: he's 50 he's already playing on the on the champion store
1: he is and and, but but look the reality is that dustin johnson i mean what he's done is remarkable but but phil mickelson was a way bigger star than any of these guys are today right so you know just want to mention that too phil's gone
0: yeah well uh, the tough thing is we can't measure phil against the guys we have now because phil played in the same era as tiger
1: but it's he was already that good He won five majors, and he won 40, what, two, three tournaments playing against Tiger. Can you imagine, like, my point is that, look, I think that there's no guy that's even going to come close, to be honest, maybe DJ, but even again, he was playing against Tiger. Or at the end of their careers, do you foresee any of these guys having a comparable legacy to Mickelson? Because I don't.
0: Mm, I'd say Jordan Spieth and Rory are the only two who can still do that. Um, my best bet would be Rory, but Rory's kind of an enigma at this point because his talent is unquestionable. I mean, again, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. People were talking about him as the second coming of Tiger, and look, look how that's turned out. You know, 2011, he wins, he wins the, uh, the U.S. Open right after collapsing at the Masters, um, and then wins Kiowa in um, 2012. Right. And then he wins those two in twenty fourteen and no majors since then. Right? And you're thinking, okay, well, he had his chance to be, you know, on the same level as Tiger, but seven years without a major is a pretty significant drought. You fast forward to what is it? Twenty fifteen. Jordan Spieth
2: bursts on the scene. Wins the Masters. Contends the Masters the
0: next year. Can't win it but then wins the Open and kind of gets in that conversation. He wins the U.S. Open 2015 that year as well. I forgot to mention 2016 comes close to the Masters, but then wins the, uh, the Open. Yeah. And you're thinking, okay, so Speed's still got a chance to be in that conversation. But you're absolutely right. There's no one of the current crop of stars in golf who can even come close to the guys who finished runner-up to Tiger.
1: And that's that's the scary thing. Look, I think Dustin Johnson, way more than McElroy, is the only guy. Because Dustin Johnson has this... He wins a, a couple tournaments every year, and he's consistently in the mix. And if he can get five or six majors, then they would make it. But it's like, even Rory McElroy... Like, look, Spieth, he needs to show me more, before, again, of his old form before I can even go there. And Rory McElroy, the reality is that, while I think... We'd all agree, McElroy, his best golf is up there with the best ever. And sometimes he just blows away the field and looks ever. But the reality is, there's a huge gap between his career and Phil Nicholson. Phil Nicholson won 44 times and finished just at the U.S. Open, runner up six times. Roy McElroy has won four majors, which is less than Phil, and has only won 18 times the PJ Tour. So that's 26 times less he's won. Not to mention that Phil Nicholson, like I said, was playing against the Tiger. So it's like there is a huge gap. And Rory McIlroy is in his 30s. It's like he – I don't even know if he's going to be able to come close to his legacy. And that's no disrespect. But I just think that sports really need like legendary players playing. And yeah. And just like golf, there isn't – Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka, I think, are the better can- – best candidates. Uh, Spieth, you thought so. Early in his career, but uh, I don't know about now, but um, yeah, anything more you want to say on on this topic?
0: No, what I, what I will say really quickly before we go to our our hot take segment, Mm -hmm. what I will say is this. So one of the things that also kind of stood out about Tiger is that he won not only a lot, but he won a lot really, really early. In his career. Very, very seldom in golf are guys straight onto the tour gonna win tournaments. Yep, that's very true. seldom. It takes a few years to to learn the ropes, to learn how to compete with the very best of the very best. And Tiger was kind of the beginning of, you know, young guys on tour coming out and winning first, second year on tour. That's not something that typically happens a lot. And I think we've become kind of spoiled with that because we've seen so many... As a result of Tiger, so many kids come out at such a young age and play at such a high level. That wasn't the case necessarily before. And so I, I wouldn't say... I wouldn't write off Rory to rip off 30 wins in his 30s. I wouldn't write it off in the slightest. Wow. Uh, Jordan speed you can't even think about writing off Jordan Speed because he's not even, he's not even 30 yet. And he already has three majors. So... There's just, there's, there's, I think a little bit of, uh, of context we need to put around, around what Tiger did for the sport, but also what happens when he's not involved. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's a lot to, a lot to think about in this and we could seriously do multiple episodes, like an entire series just based on Tiger.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think you make some great points and I think that you're right when Tiger's gone. It's going to help, and also to your point, I think that um, we we do tend to write off guys too soon, and in golf, thirties is a really good sweet spot, and I think that that's like when you can see guys really hit us a, a solid peak, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you because know, I, I think, and I, I do just want to say real quick on on Rory, I think that Rory's the one guy where I do think he's another guy that could... He has the ability to be so dominant. And I think that Rory is maybe the one guy, like I said, outside of Brooks Kepka that if he ever like started contending and really like winning majors again, he could lift the tour in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's probably, in terms of the hype around him and what he potentially represented, he's maybe the only one. Spieth is the other, and the reason they were drawing that comparison is because they were so good, so young. Yeah, that's not always the case. I mean, oh. it's it's Tiger was an exception to the norm, and we've become to we've become accustomed to seeing it as the norm. But I think it just the the expectation, you know. Granted, Tiger doesn't play again on the tour for you know a little a little bit. Yeah, um, that's kind of the one thing we have to realize is that expectations of what the sport is kind of have to be reined in a little bit. Absolutely. And it's all because of tiger. Again, that's just more fuel for the goat fire, if you will.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, absolutely. I yeah. completely agree.
0: And it goes hand in hand with actually my hot take. Okay. It goes hand in hand with this. And I alluded to this a little bit. Um, and over the, uh, over the last week or so, both on Twitter and just, you know, talking to you a little bit about yeah. the whole situation. So, we talked about Tiger's accident as, you know, golf be- We talked about it in the sense that golf is the last thing we're all thinking of. We're thinking about his health and safety. We're thinking about him being able to just be a person in society again. Yeah. So, that's, that's front of mind for all of us, right? But I want to tell you all a story of another golfer who suffered a potentially life-ending car accident, yeah, and went on to win a major.
2: yeah,
0: Uh, And that man is Ben Hogan. Ben Hogan is widely recognized as one of the top five players of all time, and if not best, he has the best, if not one of the best, he has the best swing of all time. Mm -hmm. Best ball striker ever. Ben Hogan won the U.S. Open that year at Marion, which is notoriously one of the hardest golf courses uh, that players on the PGA Tour or at the professional level will ever play. Tiger Woods is going to win another major, let alone come back to play golf. He's going to win another major because everyone right now, everyone is saying there's no way he's going to touch a golf club again. Like this is, this is the end. Yeah. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way. Tiger Woods is the antithesis of there's no way. If there is a chance, a 0.01% chance, there is a chance that is, that is more than zero. And I know it's a long shot and this is a hot take, but He's been written off how many times before and how many times has he proven people wrong? That's just who he is. He's you, you bet against tiger woods at your own peril. That's all there is to it.
1: Wow. So you're, you're betting for him to?
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would not be shocked if he won the 2022 masters.
1: Okay. So you're
0: not, no shock.
1: Are you picking him to actually play well? Like, are you pick? Are you going to pick him to win anything, or play well? Like, contend. Yeah. How do you see his comeback coming back if he does play? How do you see his swing and his form uh, look?
0: Well, you know, it, obviously we don't know the extent of what the leg injuries are going to be like as far as you know being able to to play golf again. Yeah. But I promise you all this. I promise you this. If Tiger Woods can physically play golf at the professional level after this accident he's going to win
2: mm-hmm.
0: that uh, he's going to play well he's going to win wow. that's that's just who he's been his entire career he just wins
2: wow okay
0: that's my take and i'm sticking to it
2: that oh and i got to tell you um
1: if that happens i mean I don't know, man. It's like one part of everybody is like, "Don't write off Tiger," and the other part of it's like, if you look at it rationally, the odds are kind of low.
0: So it's like, but what? Yeah, but what about his career has been rational? You know, what part of what part of winning the U.S. Open you know, I, in two thousand by fifteen makes I mean, sense?
1: There reaches a point there reaches a point where his like his body was already at a breaking point. Like, there reaches a point where your body just can't let you like do the things you want to do. And so now it's just like, is it even like before it was almost like, Oh, and like he, he, it was so hard for him to even play events. He'd go along stretches without playing his back would, you know, stiffen up. Um, so now you add to his knees and his back and his spine, all of the, the, the leg injuries and it probably aggravated it back. It's like, Will he ever be able to somehow, and he'll probably have to have a sixth back surgery at least, will he ever be able to even just like have either mobility or pain even play? It's like, forget the mental uh, drive to play well. Like, can his body literally hold up? Like,
0: Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. If his body can hold up and he's physically able to do so, he's going to win. He doesn't he doesn't just play and not win. That's just not who he is. And yes, there was a stretch from 2010 to 2012 where he didn't win. Well, I guess the end of 2011 where he won an unofficial event. But there was that stretch for 2 years where he didn't win and we thought that was a big deal. And then there was 2013 to 2018 where he didn't win that. I thought that was a big deal. What? But again, this is someone whose entire his entire career has revolved around the impossible being possible. And that's why he's an, a role model not necessarily a role model, but an idol for so many. Yeah, Because he makes, he makes things that you can only dream of seem possible because he's done it. And it's like I'm saying if there is a chance that he can play
2: he's going to win. Yeah. No, I mean,
1: look that that's if he absolutely, don't, you know, you're a- absolutely right. Um, I I just it's hard for me to say that. It's just I know I'll be. I'd love to be wrong, but it's just men. Like my head's telling me, like, look, this is like. I'll try to play, but it just won't happen. But who knows.
0: Yep. it's. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a colossal if, and it's only if he's healthy. But should that happen, folks, I'm saying right now, February 25th, 2021, a mere two days after a potentially fatal accident. If Tiger Woods is able to play again on the PGA Tour, he's going to win. And I'm sure the Skip is the Stephen A. Smiths, the the talking heads in sports media will will be very quick to say um, there's there's no chance his body's beyond broken. Mm-hmm. They've said that before. Same thing happened to Ben Hogan. What happened to Ben Hogan? He won the U.S. Open in Marion. Marion's Marion is ridiculous. I'm sorry if you ever played Marion and you break eighty. I want to I want to know who you are uh, if you're not a professional. That is because yeah. <sighs> that course is ridiculous. Sure. So that, that's really, you know, I'll, I'll let you get over to it, but yeah. count out this man at your own peril.
2: No, I mean, look, I, I can't,
1: <laughs> I can't, I can't disagree with you, bro. Okay.
0: Um, all right. What do you got for what me? you
1: want to say about that? Or do you want?
0: want nope. To- that's it. I got, that's all. That was the only take I had tonight, but.
1: All right, cool. I just wanted to give you the floor in case you want to talk about it more. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. Um, okay, so yeah, I got a couple um so the the first one that I'll say on,
2: and this is gonna come come as a
1: as a little bit of uh I think it's just comical, okay, but do you know who the most and look, it's not that ridiculous when you actually look into it but do you know who the most overrated Hall of Fame member is in any, any sport?
0: Any sport. Oh, my God. Uh,
2: uh, uh, enlighten me. It's Colin Montgomery. Mm. That guy. Um,
1: first of all, he was a good European tour player. Good Ryder Cup member but there have been others that have been better I mean Rory McIlroy I would say um and I mean not to mention that you know he won no times on the PJ tour at all <laughs> um tr- choked In times majors he choked um but I'm not trying to be offensive but oh and what do you want 15 European tour events how many events Paul Casey 30
0: on? 31
1: Thirty-one. Okay.
0: Fourth all-time in the European right. Tour.
1: Well, look. No offense, but the, the European Tour is like uh, AAA. Honestly.
0: Hmm. Mm. Oh. Golf fans are not gonna. A lot of golf fans are not gonna like that take. Um. So I. I
1: okay. I, let, me, let me give you this. Okay. Let me give you the stat. Okay. Yeah. Do you know how many times? Uh like Paul Casey's won fourteen, fifteen 15 times on the European tour. He won one on the PG tours. What? Two, one win.
0: Uh, I think he has a couple. He's won. He won Valspar twice. Did he? Uh, he went back to back at Valspar. Uh, uh let me double check. Um, uh, but before we, before we carry on, on Monty though, I just want to say, um, He was the Order of Merit winner, which is basically won the most money on the European Tour in 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, and 2005. Yeah, all right. Uh, European Tour Player of the Year, 95, 96, 97, and 99. Uh, And he's a member of the Order of the British Empire in 2005, Sir Colin Montgomery. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, anyways, yes. Um, Paul Casey. Mm-hmm. as three wins on the PGA tour.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Look, I ha- maybe the fair comparison would be it's right in the middle, it's not triple, it's it's kind of it's just a little bit of a step down. But look, the reality is that you just can't compare the two tours. And I know that things have really shifted much more over time because the PGA tour just plays so much more. But look, like Look last week, Dustin Johnson's won the Saudi international two, three times. The reality is that the good golfers on the PGA tour would be able to, I bet you there is 10 to 15 golfers that if they played full time, the PGA tour on the European tour could do the same thing. So it's just not that impressive to me. I know you're going to say 31 wins a lot, but the reality tour is like, no offense, like if you come over to the PGA Tour and you literally don't win one tournament, like that says a lot. Like it just, there, look, like, and it's just, there are too many, A, cautionary tales, and B, there are just too many good European Tour players like Rory or that just, you know, Justin Rose, that just come over here and just spend their time on the PGA Tour. So there's nothing that leads me to believe that if the best players in the world played in European tour, that con Montgomery would be that great player. Like it just doesn't make sense to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, specifically a lot of European golf fans will really not like you for that take. Um, Sorry, he's, you're... he's one of the most beloved players in the European oh, tour. I mean, you can't
1: beloved, but that doesn't mean he deserves to be all Fame.
0: or no. Right. But he's, but he was consistently good for so many years in the nineties.
1: Well, oh, and how and,
0: did... and, no, so
1: how good can you throw
0: a Right, but what what I'm saying though is 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 consistency in golf is one of the hardest things to come by, and mm-hmm. to do it for as long for those years mm-hmm. in at the professional level. I mean, yes, the European Tour is not the PGA Tour, but the PGA Tour has only become what it is now because of Tiger, and yeah. that was pre-Tiger. So realistically, you know. If there's someone who shows sustained greatness at that level, you do have to respect it and i think I think he's more than worthy of of Hall of Fame status yeah because I, go ahead. he's he he left he left a lasting footprint on the game on the European tour okay well let's just and that's that's something that is considered with Hall of Fame and he has he has three decades worth of wins to back it up
1: So I'll say this though and obviously there's many tour players But I'll say this okay. Is he deserving of the Hall of Fame? Sure. Based on the fact he won 30-something times in the PGA Tour. I mean, sorry, European Tour. And he was great at the Ryder Cup. And, he, you know, he did have some good finishes in the majors, even if he didn't win. But he's the worst player that I can think of that's in the Hall of Fame. If you're just, look, the reality is like, look, I'm just saying, think of the, think. Of, I'm taking a field experiments class, right? Think of the actual. Yeah. Colin Montgomery played exclusively in the PJ Tour. How will he move up? Eight nine wins. Okay, nowhere near the whole thing. Not you don't you don't have a sniff of it. He'd be like, uh, seriously. So like I, I mean that that's just I, I that might sound harsh, but um, would he win more tournaments than Ricky Fowler? Ricky Fowler has won nine tournaments on the PJ Tour. Would he? Would he?
0: That's a tough one. I don't know. I mean, it's we'll, we'll obviously never know because of the, the eras they both they and, played played and in versus it too, you know.
1: I'll just say, I don't understand what it is, Owen. But let me ask you this: How
2: many golfers are in the Hall of Fame with no major wins? Hmm. Or even that. Let's, I'm Interested to know what that is. Or
1: or let's even say this one. Majors matter so much. Like, think about how much uh, Dustin Johnson's second major went to Mento's Legacy. So it's just like, why do we just forget it with Colin Montgomery? I'm sorry. On the biggest stages, you did not perform. Like, you just did not. And he finished runner-up, like, a handful of times. Is that great? Yes. But, like, when we're talking about Hall of Fame, like, Ricky Fowler finished, what, top five four, four times in the year. So it's it's like Tony Finau has finished top 10 in PGA Tour tournaments like 30 times in the last two years, three years. So, like, how impressive is that? Like, it's just not that impressive. Like, I'm sorry. Like, no, like, I don't see it. It's like it's no different than being like, look, people talk about in soccer uh, – Right, like uh, do it in the Premier League. I think there's a bigger drop-off. There's the gap is smaller, I think, between the Premier League and the other soccer leagues than it is between the PGA Tour and the European Tour. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know. It's just like it's one of those things where it's just show me it on the PGA Tour, and you won no times, so you didn't show me. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. When we're talking. No. I just want to be clear. You can be a very good player. But we're talking about elite players. They should be able to perform on any team, any context.
0: So, uh, two, two quick things, and I want to hear your so second take, it just in the interest of time. Yeah. Um, so, number one, um, I want to throw a wrench in what you're saying about the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Fame membership, because I want to read, I want to read you some names who are in the Hall of Fame. Okay. All right, you ready?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Pete Die. Famous golf, cork, ar- golf yeah. course architect. I think I think passed away the last year or the year before.
2: Okay. Yeah. Oh, sure.
0: Dan Jenkins, Sports Illustrated golf writer or golf writer for many years.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: President Dwight
2: D. Eisenhower. Well, President
0: George H. W. Bush. <laughs> uh, let me keep going. Um, A. W. Tillinghast.
2: Ken Schofield
0: and, um, and some, some guy, um, what's his first name? Uh, first name starts with a, a, a L Eldrick. <laughs> 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 Tiger's going to be inducted in 2022. I <laughs> uh, just on the subject of that. Cause I was looking, I, I was, I was interested to see who, who else is in the hall of fame. Just try to try to figure out a, um, a, a counterpoint to your, your thought. Um, but well, yeah, Tiger Woods is going to be inducted in 2022, as is Tim Fincham, the um, former commissioner of the PGA Tour.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, but look, Tim Fincham, like Ken Schofield, like, come on. I, I, yeah, George, Dwight D. Eisenhower. two golfers, not, like, other guys.
0: Right, and so, so it's, kind of, it's kind of a sense of the, gol- the Golf Hall of Fame is not necessarily just the best players of all time. It's players who had a lasting impact on the game.
1: Okay, well... And
0: Monty fits that description for the yeah. European Tour.
1: Okay, fine. Did, did he have a lasting impact on the European Tour? Sure, but like, look, I'm looking at a, a list of guys right now that are in the golf Hall of Fame. You might be looking at the same list. I guarantee you it'd be hard to find many that you think were worse players on this list than him. I'm, I'm just just saying. Um, yeah,
0: no, I mean, it's a it's a, it's a, a fair thing, a fair point to make. Okay. It's a fair okay. point to make. Um I, I just would be cautious in um cautious in how much stock you put into uh wins as a metric of greatness, especially wins on different tours other than the European tour. Mm-hmm. Because we, we regard KJ Choi and Tong Chai Chidi as yeah. two great players. Yeah, they were but neither were. one of them played all that well on the PGA Tour, and I think at some point they'll both be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. At least one of them. Well, KJ Choi should be in the Hall of Fame if he's not.
1: Oh, no. So, so realistic players. Tom Tai JG and, and uh, KJ Choi for sure. I mean, amazing players.
0: Right, and, and they, don't have, they don't have majors. No. And they don't necessarily have the performance on American soil. But how how that's a metric, I think, is a little especially in a sport where winning is so tough. Uh, to do it 31 times is such an achievement.
1: It is. It is. But it's 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 one of those situations where he was undoubtedly a very good player, but I have a very high bar for the Hall of Fame. And so show yeah. me on the PGA tour.
0: Yeah. 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 No, that's fair. That's fair.
1: Um
2: Alright, what's your what's your second take for us? Okay, Owen. So I this one is very much out of left field.
1: Okay. Um but on the subject of, of Hall of Fame.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm gonna make the case for a guy, and in the interest of time, I won't go in too deep. Um, all I'll say is that I think that there's one guy who, by the end of his career in golf, will have a case, believe it or not, an outside case for the Hall of Fame. And and you know who that is?
0: Mm, have you mentioned Martin in the podcast already?
1: Uh, I'm not going to tell you.
0: Okay. Who is it? You guess Ricky Fowler.
2: No. That uh, that was my only guess. <laughs> no, it's not Ricky Fowler. It's it's Webb Simpson. All right. <laughs> if Webb Simpson can get
1: another major or two, he already has, you know, one, and he has a player's, which is big. The key about Webb Simpson is, yes, he only has seven wins. And look, I have a high bar for my, my, um, you know, Take so I don't want to sound hypocritical, mm. but I think that the thing about Webb Simpson, which um makes him of an outside contender um, by the end of his career, is his
2: consistency.
1: He's remarkably consistent, mm. and I just want to say that unlike uh you know you think of recent examples right by you know Ricky, like uh, Ricky Fowler was for all of his career, or, or Tony Finau and Shoffley, he had wh- what I think gives him this like you're going to say extremely surprising Hall of Fame case, is that he has great consistency, and beside for aside from that blip with the anchorman, and just enough wins to back it up because the reality is a players and a major is very good. And if he just gets maybe two more, all of a sudden you're going to be looking at his career and it's like mid tens, 15 wins, a couple majors, a players, maybe have a good experience at the Ryder cup coupled with his consistency where he's, you know, can, you know, a a very good player and he didn't fall off, you know, maybe,
2: Right? Yeah. Can you
1: let me ask you this? Owen. I know it's unfair to say because he did a little blip, like Adam Scott did with the anchor bend. But can you think of many more consistent golfers throughout their career than Webb Simpson? Because I can't. Most players, um at one point or another, Webb Simpson has been a very good player for a long time. Most players either had really long blips, or they Um, we're just not at the same level as they were at their peak. So I think that's a, you know, that's what I have to say.
2: So it's, it's certainly an outside case, but it's a case
0: nonetheless. And he's, he has a very, very sneaky case, but I think that's, that's how he's always been his career. He's never really, I mean, other than when he first kind of came onto the scene when he was remarkably consistent he never really made a uh, you know a huge kind of you know this this is who this guy is yeah you know he's not going to capture headlines like other guys are um you know there's just there's a lot of um kind of question marks if you
2: will as far as you know the the anchor
0: ban and. What what that kind of does to a player, what that kind of did at the time, because he he it took him a while to figure it out after because he was he was a big on the belly putter where uh, for those who are not familiar, you basically have a putter that's so long that um, from the handle, there's a bit that extends straight in your stomach and you hold it with your with your stomach as a way to kind of reduce any external um, deviation from the path that the club's going to travel on. Uh, And it makes a huge difference with putting. So they outlawed that at the professional level in 2016. uh, And I think at USGA and R&A sanctioned events. So basically any big tournament. Um, It took him a little bit to kind of figure it out. But he came back and he he ended up winning the players. And it was really impressive uh, the way he won the players in 2018. And that was, you know, he went five years without a win.
1: By seven shots, bro. Well...
0: He won the players by seven. He won the players by four. No,
1: that oh, was seven.
2: Maybe I think
0: he might have been. He might have been leading by leading by as much as seven. I think the oh, final. You're right. But I'm reading the final is four. You're,
2: right, you're um,
0: right. But no, no. You do. You do have an excellent point, and and it's an outside case for sure. But it's all contingent on him being better than the field we have right now, and the fields are only getting deeper. Yeah, and they're the the. I mean, you think of think of guys who just came on tour who are already winning majors. Call Morikawa already has a major, and he's basically it's sophomore on tour.
1: Right. And so I think what it, you're right on. And I think, um, I think what it, what it comes down to is that
2: here's the thing of the crazy thing about the PGA tour, bro. Okay.
1: You're going to sit there and be like, look, certainly seven wins is not good enough. Um, but like I said, he has the players and he has the major and it's contingent upon him winning two two more. Yeah. But the reality is like look that's that would be great in itself uh maybe th- th- four major slash players. And then the but the reality the crazy thing on about golf is that as you say it's hard to win PGA Tour events. Seven wins is a lot. Yeah. Like there are not many players that has seven wins like right? Like Mm-hmm. You'd be very surprised if you go down the good players on the PJ tour. Mm-hmm. Right? And you'd be like, how many wins do they have? But then you and then you can say it's but then and then it's like, even if they do have the wins, maybe they don't have the majors, right? So it's like John mm-hmm. Rock, right? So it's like Webb Simpson has just enough wins and like major slash players. And president slash Ryder Cup on his resume where he could get an outside chance. That's
0: my, that's yeah. My no, that's fair. And and to kind of put a bow on and kind of a little bit throw back in your face, just because, um, yeah, I wonder what uh, seven or eight wins in the PGA Tour translates to in uh, European Tour wins. Hmm, I wonder. <laughs> but, 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 look, but here's the reality. No, I just—it's just one of the things okay. I would—I would, I would emphasize. Hold on, yeah.
1: Care sure about this? Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, Montgomery comes over to win, and won, wins ten PJ Tour wins. Okay. Yeah. Still doesn't take away from the fact that Webb Simpson won a players and a major, and Montgomery won none. So, if you're asking me, what line resume? A players, a U.S. Open. And seven tour wins or ten tour wins? Uh, I'll take the the one with the with the majors.
0: Or how about you add to that four time Player of the Year award winner and eight time Order of Merit no, award remember
1: winner? In he doesn't play at all in your pink tour. He's just P.J. tour player. So
0: right, but you have to tra- that that kind of award doesn't go. You can't just ignore here
1: that. he could. Okay, maybe in Order
0: Player Player of the Year is not just something they hand out to anyone. There's. Hold on.
1: Oh, yeah, okay, fine. That's fair. You can win player of the year without winning major. It, it happens. So, mm-hmm. but it's unlikely. Look, he lined up with Tiger. So, you think he's going to come win PGA Tour player of the year? Probably not. Like, just saying.
0: But to do it four times, three, he had a three-peat on the European Tour with player of the year. Oh, no. that's oh, uh, on. like, I I, I I understand the argument, oh, but. It's just, it's it's harsh. It's really harsh.
1: Well, okay. Name me a worse Hall of Fame member you can think of. Tim? Did Tim Raines make the Hall of Fame? Tim Raines, i put up there. Uh, baseball. Uh, that's that's a guy I talk about with my dad that I just don't think he was that good.
0: Uh, most uh, successful base stealer by percentage in baseball history.
1: Who cares?
2: Make you I mean
0: player. any player with four plus four and a plus steals he has 84% uh success rate that's pretty damn good
1: who cares running is a small part of the game honestly
0: well all i know is there's a lot of uh f- philosophical debates we can get into as 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 far as what but constitutes what hall of fame
1: on, like this is the staggering thing okay first of all we don't put in <laughs> in these sports guys who play in the second-highest leagues. And the second thing I'll just say real quick, bro, is it's like, dude, like, baseball is the best example. But it's like, there are so many really good players that can't make the Hall of Fame. Throw cheating out, like, and and so it's like, okay. You know who's a better player than Colin Montgomery, bro? Not in his longevity, but, like, a guy that comes straight to mind a guy who I watched a lot, who I genuinely think was a better player. Uh, different sport. I think Kurt Schilling, straight up. Like, I think Kurt Schilling is fucking... Um, he was an amazing pitcher, dude. He was so dominant.
0: For, for a couple of years, yeah.
1: Yeah, and my point is that if you put Montgomery on the PJ Tour, I really just don't think he would have been that dominant. You think he's going to outplay Tiger and Phil? You really think so? Do you think he can win the equivalent of a side? Like it's like well, so like, so anyone here's, anyone can win the NBA Finals if LeBron's hurt,
0: right? But but here's here's the thing though. So let's look at 2000 as an example of the, the, one of the most dominant seasons of any anybody by in, in an individual sport of all time. Tiger Woods 2000 season, he all won right. nine out of twenty events. Okay, nine out of twenty. It's just under fifty percent win percentage. Yeah, all right. That's I mean, most players who have a double-digit win percentage are in the Hall of Fame.
2: Yep.
0: Or have a Hall of Fame case. hmm So.
2: That's true. That's a very in a In
0: a calendar year, figure, okay, let's say, for the sake of argument, 30 events at that time. I mean, there weren't as, as many events back then as there are now. But say there's 30 events in calendar year. Tiger tees it up 20 times and wins nine of them. That's 21 other events. It's, it's not like Phil's going to win. Phil, Vijay, and Ernie are going to win the other 21 times. I mean, we're talking about one player winning 9 out of 30 as being all-time great. And then three others combining for the rest of that. Like The, the math just doesn't add up. And, and the other bit is, I, I would be very careful again as to how highly you would rate the European tour. Because it's not, in my personal opinion, it's not high enough.
1: Well, but what I would say is that,
2: okay, first of all, okay, two things. All right.
1: So, first of all, it's not that the golfers on the P- uh, the European Tour are bad. It's just that many of the best players play on the PGA Tour. And so if you brought a lot of the exclusive European Tour golfers over to the PGA Tour. It's just a harder competition, uh, and so when we're talking about winning, like uh, you know, I, I don't know if that would necessarily translate. And like I said, Owens, so, like if he, like, come on, he didn't win one. He won. How, so how do you? Ever. Why
0: do you think? Why do you think that is, though? Why do you think that is?
1: Well, you're you're just you're just the one that told me. Well, Tiger's not the one playing every event.
0: No, but but you're saying you're saying that the best players play on the PGA Tour. Yes. But that's not that hasn't always been the case. Why do you think that is at least in, in our lifetime? Why do you think that's the case? Well,
2: I mean, Tiger they recently Tiger.
0: Tiger is the reason. Yeah. And and so that, that means the gap between the European Tour and the PGA Tour isn't as significant as I think as I think you would frame it, and I understand the reasoning for it, and I I would I would agree with you. The PGA Tour right now is a tougher tour to win on. Because there's, there's more players who are ready to win every single week. But that's not to say the European Tour is easy. You still have to go out and you still have to play really, really well on the European Tour. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's not necessarily comparable either. So, you do have to respect that anyone who went 31 times on a professional tour is still one of the greatest players ever. Okay, no, I, well, I mean. He's the fourth most wins all time on the, but, on the European Tour.
2: Okay. Well, I mean no, look,
1: I, I I guess what I'm saying is I agree he was incredible golfer. Um and look it's not that the, the like I said I the P, the European tour is fantastic. Um I'm just saying the fact that he won literally zero is like alarming. You know what I mean? It's like Alarm bells are anyone no majors too. So All right, let me so look. Here's the and here's the thing. What you're saying is is true, but here's what I'm saying. Okay, like we don't have the same standard in other sports. Is there anyone? Look,
2: but that's that's just because
0: golf is a different sport, if and you can't Mbappe, really compare them.
1: If Messi, if Messi or look, if some player had come to the Premier League and had flopped, if Mbappe came to the Premier League and flopped. I don't necessarily think we'd we consider him an ama- you know like a- as good as we we think he is or like does you know does uh I don't know man I, like you're right, it's not as big as you'd say, but it's just in other sports, we look at like how do they play in the best leagues. And it doesn't mean they're not a great player, but it's like to be elite, you gotta perform, you gotta prove it at the highest level. Soccer is maybe not a great example because Messi. The top four or five leagues are all yeah amazing. And yeah. I, I look, I don't want to dis- dismiss the European Tour, but I'm, I'm just saying there's so many examples of the European Tour form. Not translating on the pj Tour, like it, it's just it, it,
0: there. Right, but that's a it's a pretty American-centric view of it. And so, let me just read you a few names, is, right?
1: Tell me, tell me, okay.
0: Okay, there's three guys on the European tour of more wins in Montgomery. Three guys. Okay. Who are those three guys?
1: Um, on the European tour.
0: Yeah, know. more wins in the European tour. Who are the three guys?
1: Tom Watson,
0: Seve Ballesteros, okay. Bernhard Langer, and Tiger Woods. Yeah. Okay. Those are the only other three. He's ahead of Nick Faldo. Sir Nick Faldo, excuse me, mm-hmm. Ian Woosnam, Ernie Els, Lee Westwood, Jose Maria Olathabo, Miguel Angel Jimenez, Sam Torrance, Mark James, Sandy Lyle, Sergio Garcia, Thomas Buren, Paul Casey, Padraig Harrington, Darren Clark, Goose, Goosen, Roy McIlroy, Greg Norman. You want me to keep going? <laughs> it's 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 so just you can't write off the European tour that easily. It's a very, very tough tour to win on. And. Like I, I get it. Majors are important, but they're not everything. And if you can still win 30, 31 times at, on the European Tour, you're doing something right because only three guys with multiple majors, one of them is 15,
2: are ahead of you. Well, Owen,
1: I don't know how many years he played on the PGA Tour, but I can tell you it was a lot. And he won no times. So like, it's just one of those things where I'm not even knocking the European tour as much of you didn't show me on the best tour. So it's just like, if you didn't show me on the best tour, I'm not saying the the European tour is incredible, but it's like, how can you be a hall of famer when literally Webb Simpson? Okay. I'm not even saying Webb Simpson's better. He's not, but I'm just saying you, you won. He was a member on the, on the PJ tour for like, a bunch of years, bro, and he no times. So it's just like there comes a point where I know you're that good, but you just gotta show it. It's like you know what I mean. You you gotta do it. You gotta show it. Yeah,
0: I think I think thirty one times on I think thirty one times is showing it.
1: Not on the PGA tour, though.
0: Yeah, okay, but the PGA tour wasn't what it is now when Montgomery was playing on it.
1: So then it should have been easier.
0: No, it's it's. I'm saying the difference between the PGA Tour and the European Tour isn't that significant. It doesn't matter where you do it.
1: Okay, so then it should translate everywhere. Though.
0: That okay, okay, That's not right. that's not necessarily the case. I believe you. It,
1: believe you. I'll believe you that it's more even. But it's like, like I, it's nothing against him personally. But it's just like for me, I want you to succeed at the highest level, and I would just argue that the European tour was a small step down. And so therefore he didn't succeed at the highest level. And therefore he, well, okay. He was an amazing player, but it's just like, like I said, like, I don't know to be in the hall of fame. Like I said, if we were to do the counterfactual, it's like, if he'd just played on the PJ tour, which was still tougher, even if it's not as much as I say, it's like, Okay, then would you, in a perfect world, would the counterfactual have produced a Hall of Fame player? I'm not so sure. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a fair point to make, but I just, mean, I just, I just fair.
1: it just means like, would he, if he'd only played in the PJ Tour, how well he would have done? And I'm just saying that as good a golfer he was is, if you just say he won no majors and ten tournaments, that's not a Hall of Fame resume. That's all I'm saying. Like. So yeah, an player, but that one's not
0: stack up. No, we could we could go on and on about this for hours, but I think uh, yeah. I think we've we've had enough going back and forth in the same argument. Yeah, um, yeah agree to fun. disagree on that, but I, I like the discussion though. I think there's a lot of a lot of fuel for the fire, if you will, for, for future episodes as far as to, yeah. as far as who can even be in the same the same place as Tiger Woods as far as being the greatest golfer of all time. But yeah, the sure. only takeaway we should get from this, really, Willie, is golf is hard. That's the only takeaway. You
2: are freaking Golf right. Golf is really hard.
0: And I can't wait to see how much money I lose on Saturday playing uh playing for the first time since November. So what? Or actually no, that's that's not true. I played once in December. On uh it was like December twenty eighth or something you like that. A
2: takeaway there with
0: Chris. <laughs> oh my god. We're probably gonna play for some some stupid amount of money just because mm. I'm probably gonna lose. But you know, it is what it is. Uh again, thanks to Chris for coming out next week. I'm sure we'll have him on uh before the um, hope to have him on before the Masters. If not yeah. the Masters oh. and the Euros um, get ready for for a Tigerless Masters, unfortunately. But you know, the, yeah. the man's impact on the game is still immeasurable to this day, and I don't think we're ever gonna be able to really quantify it. Yep. Um and you know, hopefully he'll be he'll be able to make a full recovery just as a person. But, you know, selfishly, I'd, I'd want to see him win a golf tournament again. Just to, just to shove it in everyone's face, just like, you you really doubted this man was the greatest over Jack Nicholas? You really doubted this guy? <laughs> Bet against him at your own peril.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I oh. want to see it too. And yeah. uh, just know, bro, that when you go out on the golf course on Saturday, like, you, you're you not Tiger Woods, no offense.
0: No, God, <laughs> are you kidding me? One of my college fans, shout out Denzel, he would, um, he would be like, so, uh, is this the next Tiger Woods over here? And I'm just like, no. Because <laughs> I haven't won back to back to back US amateurs. And I'm 26. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Golf's hard. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Willie?
1: I'm I'm sorry. I have nothing against the I, I don't have a European uh, uh European anything against the European tour. I think it's an amazing tour. It's only slightly worse than the uh PJ tour, so I don't mean any offense to the uh defense
0: of the show. Yeah, so so going from thirty one to ten is a little harsh.
1: Alright, well, last thing then, how many do you think you would have won? Twenty. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I think he I think he, he's he's he would have if he only plays in the PJ tour, he wins twenty times. Okay. But you don't just you don't just win player of the year four times in an order of merit eight times and because you know, because you're lucky and you finish second like every single time. Even if you finish second in like 20 tournaments in a year, that's a fantastic year. Even if you don't win, I mean, people talk about Ricky Fowler's 2014 season. Finished top five in a major, okay, and he didn't win one. Finished top, finished top five. Everyone's like, "Oh, he's so good. He's he's, he's gonna break through?" That was 2014. That was seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And you know, he could still very well minimum. I mean, Sergio won one in his late 30s, so. And it's just one of those things that golf doesn't care who you are. doesn't care how old you are. Yep.
1: Nuts. No, I mean, Low
0: score wins. Play the balls at lies. Right. And Tiger, Tiger beat a goat.
1: Yeah. And as an older that's player, I say. definitely succeed for sure.
0: Yep but i think that'll wrap it up for this week uh this was intended to be the shortest episode of hot takes only ever but i think we're right right around our average of about two and a half hours with the content so if long podcasts
1: we all of a sudden got carried away talking.
0: yeah these these things just happen i mean i I was talking to my girlfriend about this earlier sometimes when you and i just get going we just bounce off each other and it just goes on and on and on before you know it three hours have gone by and we're just like oh uh, i should probably go to sleep now (laughs) yeah now it's that's, that's right <laughs> anyways folks uh thank you all for tuning in this has been episode 34 of hot takes only make sure you drop a follow on our official twitter page down below it is hto podcast on twitter uh clips from that go up every now and again uh this podcast is available on apple podcast spotify wherever you get your podcast you can find this anchor.fm slash hot takes only as well those are the places to find the podcast uh, new episode next week i think um I'm I'm hoping we'll we'll have some some decent material next week, but I think we're about to hit a bit of a lull uh, because we won't have any no majors in golf coming up. Um, Champions League I think goes into another mini hiatus for a couple weeks, um, and baseball like spring training starting. So I think free agency is is slowly kind of dying down. I think we've already covered most of the big moves anyway. So we'll mm. look for some we'll look for some basketball news maybe, um, but uh, you know I, we'll we'll see what what we'll talk about in the next episode, but this one is definitely a tiger appreciation episode. Again, our, our biggest, biggest hope is that tiger is able to recover, not just as a golfer, but as a person. And he's able to to live a life that he has, uh, he's led the last few years and hopefully continues to do so as, um, the greatest of all time undisputed for me.
2: Absolutely.
0: Anyways. Thank you all for listening. This has been episode 34 of Hot Takes Only. He's Willie. I'm Owen. We'll see you next time.